0: Hey, it's Ricardo. Welcome to the Film Podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by, as usual, as of lately, Marvin. Hello, Eric. Thanks for joining us. And uh, it's been a while since we've done this, over three years, if I'm—if the math serves me right. Something and, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and last off in this series, if you're a new listener to this uh, podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And you should strap in because this is going to be a very interesting episode. (laughs) Uh, We're talking, we're on episode nine of the Canon film series. If you don't know what the Canon film series is, the Canon film group was a production company. Um, Oh, I don't want to go too deep, but it's, it's these two crazy dudes started this production (laughs) company. They made some good movies, some bad ones, and some weird ones. And throughout the last um, nine episodes, eight episodes, sorry. We've been exploring the films that they've produced. It's been an interesting journey and it could only get better or weirder, as I have found. Um, <laughs> there's some gems that, that I've definitely been like, oh, I, I didn't know this was from them. There's uh, some stinkers that I didn't know were from them. Um, <laughs> but last we left off uh, was episode eight of the series. Uh, we had discussed Firewalker, Assassination. The Alan Quarterman series, which was like the third movie, I believe. And then we did Over the Top. Uh, so it was quite an episode. Had uh a, had a Stallone and a little Chuck Norris. A mm-hmm. uh, little Expendables reunion of sorts. also <laughs> um, had Bronson in there. That's right. That's right. Assassination was, was Bronson. It's I, such a mainstay. You can't have Bronson. Yeah, Spoiler yeah, alert. There's, yeah.
1: Neither of neither the Chucks are in this episode. No, oh. no.
0: Well, it's funny cuz like they come back. You think what's well, it? There's another
1: cool motherfucker in this episode. That... Oh
0: yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a couple of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The movies we're going to be talking about on this episode are The Mannequin, Number 1 with the Bullet, The Barbarians, and Down Twisted, or as its alternate title, A Treasure of San, uh,
2: San San Lucas, San Lucas, yeah.
0: So there you have it, four movies all taking place in 1987. Eric Peterson is going to Sherpa our way through this whole series. Tell us what's going on 1987 in the world.
1: I just figured that we should kind of locate these uh, in a pop culture point of view, just very quickly talk about what else was going on in the world. So this is, these films were released early in the year of 1987. New York Times bestsellers included Stephen King's It, Tom Clancy's Red Storm Rising, Uh, Haunted Mesa by Louis L'Amour. And then towards the end of the year, we get a lot more Stephen King, Scott Turow's Presumed Innocent, uh, Tom Clancy's Patriot Games. I'm looking at this list of uh, bestsellers, and I'm, I'm realizing that a good chunk of them were actually made into films at some point in time. So that's what people are reading is kind of horror and conspiracy or, or military fiction. And then there's some Sidney Sheldon and uh, Daniel Steele, which are more like pot boilers or romance novels. So that's it's kinda interesting to think of that being the pop fiction landscape of the time. So nineteen eighty seven in music, this time we're seeing records from the Smiths and the Style Council, psychedelic furs. Uh, Susie and the Banshees, U2's Joshua Tree comes out around this time. Singles for the year were uh, Los Lobos with La Bamba, uh, Rick Ashley with, come on, guys, never going to give you up. <laughs> this is the month. OK, so this is the meme setting month. Gotcha. Yep, Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody who loves me, uh, Pet Shop Boys, Madonna, who's that girl come out. So that's kind of what the musical landscape, at least uh, the pop landscape. I mean, you, you're, we're getting like metal and country and, you know, underground stuff coming out. But, um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of some of the bigger, the bigger things. I didn't know Rick Astley's never going to give you up was a
2: number one. It's nice to know it, it was both a number <laughs> one and also the internet's
1: largest meme, a meme that got so big, it literally died. So I, 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 I think it's kind of a perennial, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> at this point. So, uh, 1907 at the box office. So I'm just going to give you the top two real quick, uh, Three men and a baby, Natal mm. attraction. Ah. So then you get some moonstruck and some untouchables. The secret of my success. So at the time that the, that the movies we're talking about come out in February and March of eighty seven,
0: also, also Predator what was that year. Not was that Was it remember. that year? Yeah,
1: it might have been. It didn't show up it on is. the top. Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. it was, it was that, that summer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the summer? Okay. Yeah. So the the films that uh that. We're going up against the the films we're going to be talking about in release. We're uh, Black Widow, no, not the one that we're waiting for. <laughs> um, this is a, a thriller with uh, Deborah Winger and Teresa Russell. Uh, Light a Day from Paul Schrader uh, with uh, Joan Jet. Death Before Dishonor, which mm-hmm. seems like a canon film, but actually is not. Okay, so also we've got out a little Nightmare on Elm Street three, uh, some kind of wonderful uh, a film. I'm sure we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Lethal Weapon, <laughs> yes. The yes. Evil it's Dead 2, yeah. uh, Raised in Arizona, and I have to throw it in there even though it's not a good film, uh, Burglar. Have you guys seen Burglar? No. Do you know what Burglar is? Is it no. about a burglar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is taking a book, a novel property. So there's a burglar series by Lawrence Block, who's a well-known crime mystery writer. That is his comedic burglar stories. And they made a movie out of it. And in the books, uh, the burglar is a gentleman burglar who lives in New York City. And he runs a bookstore and he does burglary on the side. And um, yeah, they're fun. Uh, They're not like cozies, but they're not hard-boiled either. So they make the movie. And who do you think they cast
0: as the burglar? I, I, I have spoilers. I, I spoiled I at myself at it. by looking at up. <laughs> yeah. <too>. Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> as burglar.
3: <Yeah>. Suffice it <laughs> to
1: say, this is not not a uh, a great film, but it, it's, it's one of those things you look at and you go, they had some great uh, base material to tap into. And they totally, totally. Uh, I mean, written by Jeff Loeb. So like, I mean, yeah. Jeff Loeb, I've always
2: enjoyed his career trajectory in general. So, Well,
1: yeah. I, I'm, I'm just look at the cast here and uh, G.W. Bailey, who's also a mannequin, is in this film.
2: And he plays so, his, his
1: usual character to yeah. a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if, you, if you're the guy that gets cast in that role, that's the that's the role you want to have, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I got I to ask and not to out anybody, but no. uh, let's see. 1987, I at this point, I was 14 years old. I would have been a high school ninth grade. I'm six
0: years old. Okay, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm six years old. Uh, I did we did we already get to Bloodsport in this in this series? I don't believe so. Okay, I okay, think okay, that's okay. Later. You I mentioned Bloodsport in no. general well, in other
2: podcasts just I mean, out of necessity. But I mean, like, no. <laughs> he talks about Bloodsport a lot. I talk about blood sport <laughs> all the time. I try to. T-
1: <laughs> I try to weed John Clark and Van Damme everything. in general, you bring up at least once a podcast. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> do, do you guys listen to the the movies that made me podcast? Oh, yeah. I have listened to a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Josh Olson and uh, mm-hmm. Joe Dante. Well, you know, there's a, there's a running gag about Josh Olson bringing up the film Mandy. Well, with with <laughs> Ricardo, it's blood sport.
0: So we're gonna get to Bloodsport because that's eighty eight. So that's gonna oh, be it's gonna okay. coming. Year. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming soon. Yeah, but I just didn't know. Like in my head, I was like, I feel like we've talked about it because I talk about it all the it's time. It's gonna be a monumental episode. When that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bloodsport <laughs> should just get its own episode. The production yeah, value of which... the
2: podcast will increase dramatically for that episode. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like we're gonna <laughs> play
0: sound bites of the whole movie. <laughs> uh... We'll just play
2: the movie in general. It'll <laughs> turn into a commentary track with Ricardo <laughs> yeah. constantly. Yeah,
1: uh, just knowing every single thing about the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it should be interesting because I don't think I've seen the whole thing. So no way, oh, no way. That will be inter I've seen b- bits and pieces of it, and I it is on like seen... the TV. It like shows up on TV, and it's like oh there it is, and you just watch. So I just yeah. I just outed how old I am. <laughs> I am I am part of that generation that we would go to a friend's house after school, and whatever was on cable would get would get yeah. watched. Whatever portion of we were watching.
0: Oh, yeah. So oh yeah, oh yeah,
3: yeah.
0: I- I'm sure that I saw chunk of these films that way all right so let's get let's get down to the nitty-gritty um first movie that we're going to talk about is a movie like we said 1987 this one came out february february 13th it's a valentine's day movie people are taking the dates (laughs) to go see this movie and um it's a beautiful movie i first thing i gotta say i didn't realize mannequin was not rated r i i remember there being a ton of boobs in this movie it's awfully close and the mannequin (laughs) itself definitely shows some boob (laughs) yeah 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 so let's start off by eric give us like give us like the the roughest simplest sure synopsis of this movie jonathan
1: switzer um andrew mccarthy plays an artist and i'm doing the air quotes jonathan switzer (laughs) who has not found his space place in his in the world and he goes, we see him go through a whole bunch of different jobs that he's not good at, including working in a mannequin fa- factory. Yeah, And uh, he puts together a mannequin and gets fired because he's not doing it quickly enough. I should back up. <laughs> we, start <off> in, <laughs> we start off in ancient Egypt, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're which right. Yeah, probably, that is the first scene. <laughs> which is probably yeah. perfect now that I set it up that way, because this yeah. is, this is, this is modeled on a 30s screwball comedy
2: yeah for sure yeah. yeah
1: and we get a uh we get emmy and her mother arguing about who she's supposed to marry and it's total vaudeville yes it oh, is yeah. completely vaudeville yeah and uh then we get one of those glorious 80s uh title credit sequences that's animated yeah. it's a beautiful you know, like- sequence
2: Yeah, it's really elaborate bunch of films. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like it's like animated on twos. It's like I think they actually went out of their way to make sure it looked like a really nice animated sequence versus just
1: throwing some together really quickly. Yeah, Yeah, it also tells the story of of Emmy's adventures between ancient Egypt and Philadelphia in 1987. Yes. So anyway, uh, we get to uh, Jonathan Switzer, who's a failing artist who still somehow affords himself a nice apartment who's a got beautiful a beautiful apartment in, in yeah. modern Philadelphia exactly <laughs> in 1987. He uh he's got a girlfriend who um we'll we'll talk about her. She's she's yeah. maybe she's maybe a certain kind of stereotype of the time but yeah. kind of interesting in, in in a lot of ways. And uh one night he stumbles past a uh department store, talk about a dying business there. Uh, Called Prince and Company, and he sees this mannequin in the window, and he goes back the next day to uh, to try and find the mannequin to buy her, and hijinks ensue, and he gets a job there, and he starts working with uh, the window dresser Hollywood, played by
0: um, I'm totally blanking on his name. Help me out here, guys. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
3: Misha name, Taylor, yes, yeah, thank the you. The
0: character's name is Hollywood Mondros yes, yeah. which <laughs> is the greatest name. Uh, well, while we're discussing this, look, l- let's just get out the quick, quick synopsis, and then we're gonna mm-hmm. just break it down because sure. this is a beautiful, so th- beautiful fucking. So movie. yeah,
1: he, he starts. He starts. <laughs> he starts uh, working at the store. the The mannequin comes to life. She helps him create window displays. They uh, they kind of help resurrect the store. Meanwhile, there's a competing store. That where his girlfriend works and uh hijinks and Sue. I guess I guess <laughs> yeah. is the best way to put it. Yeah. There's a lot of character actors in here.
0: And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so the 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 poster this is a very, very like now that I that I'm looking back at it, I I remember this as a kid, this poster especially. Well, not the poster, the the box cover to the VHS tape. I remember it just walking by it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um Because of how it's laid out, I I always remembered it having a lot of nudity. This movie turns out it doesn't. (laughs) No, um, this is this is uh, the the like the tagline is some guys have all the luck. That's the tagline (laughs) of the poster. (laughs) Um, but let's get down to it. It's a secondary Um, tagline, yes, yes. I can't read it, it's too. It says, says, when she comes to life, anything can happen, yes, yes. All right. So let's start off uh, from the beginning. Um, let's let's really, really get down to it. The These like we discussed, uh, this starts off in ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. You have these two totally white ladies. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to say, the, the, even in even
2: in like other like more racist depictions of Egypt, they are yeah, at least tan. Yeah. But they're yeah, like the whitest yeah, people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she in and, and her accents like totally like like a valley girl type of yeah. accent. No, I don't like, want to marry him. Well, and the mom's totally like a
1: Brooklyn like Jewish mom. <laughs> yes. yes. It, it adds it, to the, the screwball feeling mm, of it. And like, that, it. That's why it, I say it's totally vaudeville. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh and she wishes like to find like the love of her life. She wishes um uh she she's by the way, she's in like this like weird pyramid. That's where like they find her. She's hiding in the pyramid, she's dressed up as a mummy. <laughs> Um, and she, and by the way, this, this girl, the, the main, the lead of this is, uh, Emmy, who's played by Kim Cattrall mm-hmm. of Secondary yes. City. I believe it's her first, like, major
2: role. And then, yeah, yeah. I believe this, yeah. this is the role where she thought she was like,
1: oh, I'm like, finally becoming a star. And it's, yeah. like, so bef- her- before this, she did a lot of TV and I think she was in, uh, Porky's? Yeah. And oh, was she? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I don't remember if okay. Police Academy was before this or not. I, it might have been. So those yeah, were like her big like supporting roles.
0: Yeah, and she was um, she did also did um an episode of Logan's Run, the TV series. Uh, yes. Um she did like Quincy. She did a bunch of TV. She was like Columbo uh Stark Stark oh my god <laughs> and Hutch. I have a hard time with that title. Um, She's a working actress, is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. Uh there's a lot of cool like yeah. T V episodes that she was on. Uh and this was this was definitely like her hey, I'm now not doing TV, strictly movies, high, high quality canon films from now on. Um so she plays the lead Emmy and she wishes you know upon the gods that she like finds a way and doesn't have to marry this this um i don't know it's she's supposed to marry like a pharaoh or something and she wishes and no she's supposed to marry a, a dung
2: dealer oh that's, camel right, that's dung right you're, dealer. Right. you're right. yep <laughs> right that's why right. she ran away yeah. Yeah. because because she had been arranged to marry a bunch of yeah. other like richer yeah. people but she kept rejecting him so the yeah. only one left was a camel dung
0: dealer yeah yeah <laughs> And then um, she wishes upon the the gods for her to 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 really find the love of her life, and there's an earthquake, and then after the earthquake she disappears. There's a there's a poof of smoke. She mm-hmm. disappears. <clears throat> excuse me. And the um the title sequence starts, which is a beautiful animated title sequence that explains all the different places in the world and times she's visited, um, which we'll get to later because she actually discusses some of the. Uh, famous people in history that she's befriended or m- become lovers with. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a great opening already. You have it's a, great- such
2: a It's such a wacky opening that I think you're only allowed to write this in the '80s. Like, yeah. There's no other. Like, imagine trying to pitch this to a movie theater now. <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, even like a B, like a like a B production company, where you go, okay, so the movie is about a mannequin, but the mannequin's actually like this Egyptian (laughs) from the past who's time-traveling.
1: Well, and and as I said, it's very much a 30s-style screwball comedy, and the the people running the studios at this time are going to know what that is. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, We have... uh, Then we go into modern times. We're uh, immediately thrown into the life of... Jonathan uh, switcher who's played by Andrew McCarthy like we said Uh, he is uh, in the opening of his introduction we see that he's building this mannequin and right away we see that this mannequin is probably the most beautiful mannequin you've ever seen it it looks exactly like Kim Cattrall exactly like Kim Cattrall and he, he's building, he's, he's trying different arms. He's really putting a lot of work into it. And he's, a, he's apparently you find out that he's a failed artist. And uh, he finishes the, the mannequin and he presents it to his boss, who then tells, and he's really excited. He says, hey, I just finished this mannequin. It only took me three weeks. And and he says, yeah, I should, you shouldn't be making three of these a day not not one of these every three weeks he gets fired and then these are the these are the jobs that we go into our first montage mm-hmm. right off the bat that's pretty fast for a montage um it hasn't even been 10 minutes of the movie and we're already in the first montage it's a series of um of shots of him doing different jobs that he gets fired from uh so it's like mannequin maker balloon guy at uh, birthday parties uh we have uh, a he does he's a gardener and then he's a pizza guy yeah. and, and he gets fired from all of them and um, then he,
2: increasingly he's like like yeah i know i'm fired yeah i know he, <laughs> knows, he's worse worse.
1: <laughs> he knows he's a piece of shit <laughs> it, it towards towards the last one it's almost as if he knows that this is gonna play out and it's like all right let's just yeah. move it along
0: yeah the funny thing is that like he's not really doing that bad it's just that like it just that's takes what we... too long
2: <laughs> <laughs> or he gives a balloon to a small child and the small child leaves into yeah. the sky that's <laughs> he, actually he's, he's left... that's a fireball offense i think <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure, for sure. <laughs>
0: um i like that in, in that scene where he's giving so the the intro the, the scene and it's the dad you see the dad and he's next to the kid and there's no lead up to it there's no nothing he just says that's my boy <laughs> that, like like you we land in the middle of the conversation, like like he was explaining these this great thing he, like his kid does or something and he's like and then the scene starts and it's like, Well that's my boy <laughs> You're like, Well what? What what did he do? Um but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a funny cake. <laughs> uh it's a funny montage. The the kid's twerp. He 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 wants a big balloon and he gets it and he flies off almost. Uh, um All right, so then uh, we quickly uh, after the pizza scene, we get to um, him. (laughs) He drives up in his he has a Harley, by the way. It's a nice Harley. It's not a shitty motorcycle. No, like
2: he he's well to do. He's got he's got
0: some sort of fun
2: on the side somewhere. Like I don't know how he's he's
0: he's a a trust fund baby. I feel (laughs) (laughs) most likely. Like that's why Roxy's
2: attracted to him at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. His his apartment is amazing amazing (laughs) there's like cool like architecture stuff because like he's like this artist guy so there's like cool like art pieces that are like made from like uh bicycle wheels and like all this interesting art and like just his apartment is laid out amazingly and it's like it's like a weird loft in in philadelphia yeah um and he pulls up in his motorcycle he picks up uh roxy right Mm -hmm. who's played by uh carol davis and she's kind of like when I when I when they first introduced her, I thought she was like a stockbroker.
2: Yeah, so. you get the sense that she's working at like a law office or is like some sort of like high stakes 80s thing. Yeah. You know? yeah, so, yeah.
1: So this is the sort of word that's going to come up multiple times when we talk about this movie. Uh, yuppie. She yeah, is yeah, Like yeah. <laughs> like if you want to put like, yup, like 80s yuppie on a poster. She's the female representation yeah yeah and james yeah. spader is is like the perfect male <laughs>
0: yeah exactly well and, and
1: the guy that owns the
0: other store as well is like yeah. the perfect yeah. aging boomer yuppie <laughs> so so um roxy she works for like the so at this point um andrew mccarthy doesn't have that uh so, sorry um uh, jonathan switcher <laughs> he doesn't have that job at the mall yet uh the department store sorry he he's kind of like he's he's unemployed and his girlfriend roxy works at the like hip like totally cool modern uh department store it's uh i forgot the name of it what's the name of the name of the department i don't
1: remember but but we'll just call it the 80s the department store because (laughs) it is totally the the neon neon and and the
0: mirrors and the And it's packed yeah. and if somehow like there's a weird like layer of like smoke it's like it's like a, like an 80s club it feels like but yes. a little well it's a well lit 80s club during the day and it's like always busy and like uh she works with this this boss who's like really he, like you you described it perfectly he's a yuppie and her her coworker who's like this I can't I, I don't understand why they made him like a weird nationality where you can't it's i feel like the actor was like "Ah, i can't be i can't play regular i'm gonna be a character this (laughs) guy's this 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 character is different he's he's like from overseas and the the director's like well where where overseas he's like "Ah, it doesn't matter i'm just gonna play differently
3: well
2: his his name playing one of the
0: go ahead ahead. well Well, his his name is
2: and he is egyptian
0: okay he is oh yeah Okay, I. The, here's the thing. He it it feels like an act. It feels. Oh, like oh, it's kid. definitely, <laughs> definitely cornballed
1: up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's a, a re- as. Go ahead. As Eric. this is a screwball comedy, everybody is except for maybe our two leads. Mm-hmm. Everybody is playing over the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So and and there is so much sexual harassment from this, this coworker. <laughs> Even the, for, like, a comedy, 80s comedy, yes, it's a shocking sure. amount. Yeah. <laughs> he literally but,
2: eventually just goes, would you just like to have sex? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. right at
0: her. It's not even, like, innuendo. It's, like, straight up. He's, he like, it's constantly touching her. He's constantly, like, he's a habitual line stepper. Like, yeah. for the things he says, the things he does, his actions, uh, he is way over the top. Um, but I like him. he he, thing
1: is he's never he's never shown to be the quote good guy no he's not he's not not like evil but he's never shown to be like this is okay no not at all yeah (laughs) yeah and and that's one of the interesting things that that i noticed re-watching this film is with you know there's very stereotypical characters but we never see some of them being we never see that the the ones who are cringy being shown as okay, yeah, yeah, they're,
0: that's true. Um, yeah. The, the, I I do appreciate that that they're never even at at the end of the movie where he kind of gets like comeuppance, you know, because he wants this <laughs> thing, he wants this thing, and he finally gets and he doesn't. Yeah, there's actually a conclusion
2: yeah. to the B plot of yeah, of, yes, I want to harass you. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and, and it's it's kind of satisfying. Um, so no, that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> here you go there you go <laughs> thank you <laughs> um and then uh and then we have um so he, so he picks her up and like the the yuppie boss is like yeah your, your your boyfriend you know and and like they go off and he they make it seem like he's poor because because uh, he all all they do is they go out for ice cream and they walk around town they never go to anywhere fancy they never go have, have like a sit-down dinner but this guy has a beautiful apartment and a brand new Harley that's always breaking down. Um, so if you if you
1: have a brand new bike and a beautiful
0: apartment, you don't got money
1: to go to dinner, right? That's true.
0: <laughs> that's true. But all it's all going priorities. To the bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So where are we at? He oh, then he he, he drops her. No, he he doesn't drop her off. He she leaves. She gets a cab. They don't even have a real fight at this point. And she no, just, she's just
2: like ah, uh, I don't like this state. Yeah. I Did don't like where this him? is
0: going. I'm out. By the way, in that scene, um, Jonathan has an ice cream bar that he's eating because they go out for ice cream and they're walking mm. around town. And he takes one bite and then he throws it in the trash can. <laughs> don't know why. Reagan's America. <laughs> <laughs> like he walks out one bite, trash can. And he, it's not even like the point where they're fighting. It's like pre-fight. He's like, ah, fuck it, I'm done with this. Right. I didn't even <laughs> want this. And he just chucks it. Uh, she leaves and he drives off. It starts raining. Uh, he's walking his bike because uh, it it's it like won't turn on. And he sees, he looks at, into the department store that he's, that he's walking by and he sees the damn mannequin he was building in, at the beginning of the movie. Boom. That's where it kicks off. And he's kind of obsessed with his mannequin. He put all this time into it. He's obsessed with it he walks by and he's talking to the mannequin uh through the window the mannequin is 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 sitting um facing facing out from the department store and he's talking to it and he's like saying all these things how oh, he's like sad but he's like oh you understand me and then he goes home and the next day i don't know what compels him to go back but he's compelled to go back into this to this department store yeah and this is the um this department store how would i describe it It, it's like the sears of the 80s where Mm. (laughs) it's just like it's it's dead it's empty nobody's in there it's really sad the people that are in there
1: (laughs) you know it's a classic department store that just hasn't kept up with the times
0: yeah yeah hence sears i'm talking about you dude (laughs) Sears <laughs> not going to be a future sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> Get fucked, Sears. Sears isn't going to be sponsoring itself. I mean, come on. <laughs> a, they don't have money. B, they don't even have money to sue us. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um they um the so they, he goes in there he's he's waiting outside and he doesn't see the damn mannequin anymore it's not there he's like what's going on and then out of nowhere this lady comes out of a, out of a limo um this lady called uh claire timkin who's played by estelle getty yes that is Estelle getty i didn't Cue know if she was in this scene yeah i don't have that but maybe if if if, if, we, if we get Get the right time for this yeah. for me editing this. Maybe I'll throw it in there. Um, so we have Stella Getty, and she's walking, in. she's the she's the the owner. She's inherited this department store. You later find out. She walks in, and um, this they're hanging this um, what is it, the marquee out front of the store. Mm-hmm. By the way, if her store is failing, why a new storefront marquee?
2: It's just you know you got you, just last ditch efforts, right? You got to yeah. like. Yeah, because the marquee said a hundred years. They're like, we're a hundred years old, man. Like, come on over. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you know let me we just... got we we got paragliders and stuff inside. You want to <laughs> check? <it> out?
0: <laughs> there's so much crazy stuff in, in the store. There's there's a comical amount of stuff in the yeah. store. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to know where they filmed this. I I try to find out, but I couldn't figure it out. But this oh. this department store is like four stories, like four stories. And it's amazingly beautiful. Like, I mean, it's supposed to be run down. There's nobody there, but it's a nice, like, it looks like an opera house at one moment. And yeah. it's, it's nutty.
1: I think they filmed it actually in Philadelphia. Really? Um, let's see. I think there were, um, yeah. So, um, oh, the, this, uh, the John Wanamaker's in Philadelphia, okay, uh, which okay. is apparently okay. is now Macy's City, City Center this is coming from wiki Uh, so take it so that's where they filmed it
0: yeah yeah it's a beautiful beautiful department store uh she's about to walk into the store the marquee falls um swisher uh helps helps her jonathan helps her and saves her life and he's stuck Just swing somehow the marquee picks him up and is swinging him back and forth and there's live electrical wires that keep shocking his butt (laughs) repeatedly and then he finally gets down, and, and well, no, while he's swinging, uh, she's, Estelle Getty's like, oh, thank you for saving my life. W- what can I get you? What can I do to show my gratitude? And he says, he could say anything. He'd say, ah, you know, throw me $10,000 or anything. He says, eh, I want a job. That's it. And that's how he gets hired. Uh, Estelle Getty takes him into the department store and is showing him around and takes him to, like, one of the vice presidents of the of the department store who's played by uh one very young very very young um what's his name I'm trying to James, James Spader. yeah who is
2: acting his ass off in this movie he is yeah. tearing up the scenery i love him in this movie
0: yeah yeah uh he plays a richards who's the, the vp of the company he's got like paired of this it's part of the side he's very very slimy He's very, very. He's he's a yuppie as well. Um, we later find out that that Richards, played by James Spader, is in cahoots with the competing store, and they are trying to buy them out. And James Spader is like the inside guy that's trying to yep. like make the store tank. And uh, Estelle Getty asks uh, Richards for uh, to, for her for him to get uh, Jonathan set up as an employee of the store. And he becomes the employee, and he's like, he's like, we're not sure what he does. He's like a stock boy, but not really. He's just kind of wandering, looking for the mannequin. He, he he's a piece of shit. He doesn't. He's not good at any job. is what I get from this movie. He's what we would um, call listless. He's, he's good yeah, at sucking up. Of, yeah, yeah. He's very good at sucking up. Um, he quickly meets uh, the a window window dresser that we discussed played by um, who was playing him? Misha Taylor. That's right. The character's name is Hollywood Mondros and Hollywood Mondros. There's a key and peel sketch where (laughs) they're, they're reenacting how uh, Gremlins two got made. Yep. And it's, he literally just copied Hollywood Mondros. (laughs) the, The crazy glasses, the neon it's over the top um he is quite a character and i love hollywood mondros he's one so of my I, favorite characters i
1: have i've heard people say that this that hollywood was one of the first times they saw a gay black man uh, portrayed in a positive way where the people that say nasty things about him are the bad guys in an, a film in the 80s
0: I
2: mean that's yeah. true. That's yeah. al- it's also uh, Jonathan in the movie itself. He immediately Depends calls on. out to James yeah. Spader's character yes. that like, oh, I don't hang out with bigots when he talks about Hollywood. And it's like, exactly. It's interesting yeah. how yeah. directly they point it out.
0: Uh, he so, also it's, no, no, it's, he, he, he talks when he's talking to um, oh the captain it's the, yeah the yeah, the, uh, yeah. the security guard Felix yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah played yep. by uh, G W uh, Bailey so Um, i've
1: I've heard some people comment on it's a caricature and it's offensive but i've also heard people especially people in in my age say you know this was the first positive depiction of, uh, of a black gay character we saw on film and one of the first places we saw bigotry you know called out and where it was the character was taken seriously as far as um their emotional side so Uh, Yeah, is it problematic? Probably a lot of people will look at it and go, "Yes, that's problematic." But if you look at it as a as a first step towards maybe greater acceptance in a film where admittedly everybody is a caricature except for maybe our two leads, yeah, uh, it 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 maybe isn't quite as problematic as it might appear on the surface. It's also just you You know, know. know, it's the '80s. You know, this is a this was you know other
2: movies during. (laughs) we're about to talk about in the series just straight up just yells out the f-word at someone oh yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> compared to that this one's a pretty uh pretty tame depiction it, yeah. It's, yeah
1: it's it's maybe a first step on on the way to uh humanizing gay characters and yeah. gay minority yeah. characters yeah
0: and and like like you said like you definitely um Jonathan definitely does defend him and he like speaks up about it and you see the other characters get their like come up, and the clearly the the characters like talking down to to Hollywood are yeah clearly the bad guys
2: and the thing is even when they're talking down it's interesting because a movie like this it's really easy to go for like the gay panic joke right where they're going yeah oh he's doing something gay but then yeah. they the movie even when it's like other people weirded out by him. They're not weirded out because he's gay. They're weirded out because he's so over the top. And it's yeah, yeah. it's interesting yeah. that they decide to not go for that joke and instead like just have him function as like an ally to, to Jonathan Switcher throughout the movie. It's it's an interesting point of view, especially from a, a late 80s movie.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and at and, one point they 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 hint that or like they they insinuate that Jonathan himself is gay. And he doesn't like. He's like, no, 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 not me. He doesn't really like yeah. do that crazy like backpedaling. Yeah, yeah, no, he's like, he's like, well, like, it, he kind of goes with it. Like, what if I am? Like, he he totally goes with it, and he's, uh, he's fine. And, and in fact, like, it's crazy that like that's the thing he becomes. He becomes like the window dresser, which is you know, it, yeah. it's 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 Hollywood's um um job when we first start this this movie um but yeah i i was very surprised uh i, I knew the jokes were gonna come mm-hmm. against against him against hollywood but I, I was surprised especially watching it now that like oh man like he really kind of defended him and like it was really cool it was actually cool to see I mean, you're right I, up to this point we hadn't seen that yeah it's only mildly cringy it's not yeah, like yeah it's yeah. not like oh my god it's just more of like
2: ah that's that's what happened so it,
1: if I yeah. was going to show this to like a bunch of high school students, I wouldn't. I would have to give the preamble of there's some things that are going to be a little bit cringy, but if you watch, you will see that there there are some things that are surprisingly, you know, modern to today's tastes. And if you yeah. if you just wait for the film to get there, you will see those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I w- I would say if I mean looking at this with the prism of 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 modern times and not not as a moment that it was made um it's a lot more sexist you know like if you if we're like kind of breaking down the movie of like its offenses it's way more sexist than it is homophobic Mm. um and and in fact like uh, like we said like there's a lot of like well you know it's fine it's fine to be it's fine to be gay basically is is i yeah i took the movie where they, they never I guess they kind of the guy gets his comeuppance for being the sexist dude. But everybody's oh, sexist everybody yeah. sexist <laughs> in this movie. Um so um back to it. Well uh, you know you,
1: you you know, you say this is sexist, but I, I also think there's a feminist angle to this film that yeah I'm shocked that I'm even saying this because yeah. Emmy is the character that A knows what she wants, B mm-hmm. goes for it, C mm-hmm. takes risks, you know, um she she is kind of the heart and soul of this film. And, you know, uh, there's something about that as well, that at this time, you know, we're seeing a strong female character, but not the strong female character that we're used to seeing in 2020 with the, she's tough and she can, you know, she can beat up the guys and, you know, she's she's emotionally scarred or whatever, but she, she's tough and strong in that, she's driven she knows what she wants she's not gonna settle for less um you know she's, all of those she's things not dumb they didn't dumb her down
0: no. for like this and so like the things that she's like naive about is because it's, she's a fish out of water like meaning like yeah she's just like this person from the past that's dropped into the future kind of in a, in a weird sort of way mm-hmm. um but she's not a dumb character and the things she's she doesn't know is because they're modern things like the stereo playing music where is the band like the classic time travel joke where's the band coming from um they have tiny people tiny orchestra in the speakers um uh and um so so uh jonathan quickly starts working um and he's looking for the mannequin he starts working with hollywood and in fact the, the the scene where they really get close is because Hollywood's talking about his boyfriend, how, like, he's kind yeah. of, he's calling him, the boyfriend's probably calling him fat. And uh, they're kind of talking about relationships. They, they're both kind of, like, confiding in each other, um, mm-hmm. in each other's relationships. And it's, it's actually pretty cool how that's done. And then uh, Hollywood has, actually has to go home, or like, to go on a date or something. And he leaves, and he leaves Jonathan on his, by himself. And that's when uh, Emmy comes to life. The mannequin comes to life and she starts talking to uh, Jonathan and hijinks ensue. (laughs) Cue the next montage, (laughs) which is, so they have a a great moment. They have like a great night. They're talking and she's like, you know, giving all this, this exposition of like, um, you know, I was, I'm from here. This is the people I've, 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 seen these are the things i've i've done and he think he still thinks he's kind of like dreaming or like it's a like a weird fever dream uh he falls asleep wakes up goes to work the next day and the window dressing is amazing it's like a for 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 the time it's a very modern um <laughs> there's like movement in 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 the window dressing like it's supposed to be like this tennis like match going on yeah like there's a tennis yeah. ball going back and forth it's really there's like there's like gears and gadgets and strings going going uh going on in the background and everyone's like oh my god this guy's got gonna be fired there's there's a crowd out there forming um (laughs) which is yeah that's exactly what they want they want a crowd they want the the store to be busy it's Um, such a crazy premise yeah and they're gonna fire (laughs) him he gets called up to be fired he gets called (laughs) up to the boardroom to be fired and um estelle getty saves his job and says keep doing what you're doing this is great it's starting to get busy again <laughs> and james Bader is freaking out because his job is to tank the make the store tank uh so he they could sell to the competitor in fact at the board meeting they're trying to fill out the paperwork so they could sell at 10 percent what the company's worth um next day i don't know i don't know they don't make it clear why hollywood is not there anymore but he's like i think it's because. Jonathan's got to do his thing you know because he's the well, he's also doing hat. like
2: other jobs around the store you That's can, true, yeah. there's a scene where he's like doing like a setup at like a, a desk so I think yeah he's yeah. not just a window dresser and he doesn't have any like jealousy pretenses about it at all in fact no, later no, no. in this in the movie he actually approaches him and asks look you're clearly better at this than I am I'd like yeah. to know what you're doing
0: yeah 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 and, and so so um, I do really love their relationship they're really like, yeah like he presides their wedding at the end I yeah, really like. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see a buddy cop movie with these two guys, <laughs> these two characters. Um, all right, so um, it's the second night he spends with Emmy. Uh, she comes to life, so, and so the rules are: it's like vampire rules. Um, she only comes out at night, right? Because there's people. There's not a lot of people. So the rule is: if someone sees her, apart from Jonathan, she she becomes a mannequin. She freezes up and becomes plastic, but. If she's alone in front of Jonathan, she is she comes to life. So there's some weird rules, too, because like at one point uh, he's fighting with the security guard and she kicks him. But it's because he wasn't looking at her. It's really weird how she bends the the rules. It's like before that point,
2: you almost wonder like that, that, that point in the movie pretty much confirms that she's actually coming to life because before that. The, the antics they get up to are so wild and crazy mm-hmm. that you're like this can't actually be happening the security guard would have heard <laughs> like okay. yeah. them yeah. blasting the radio even we'll, if we'll, despite it being a four story department uh building like they must they're just going nuts <laughs> like, yeah yeah um,
0: yeah. And, and I think that it's funny because every time I'm watching a movie uh, that's like an old movie that I think like how how would I remake this if I were remaking this and, and my, my first thought literally was like he's having like a weird like brain he has a brain tumor he's got brain tumor <laughs> and he's imagining this and like you said like when he kicks his, when she kicks the security guard is the first time that you're like oh she's tangible she's really there he's not imagining it um well, i have to he remind he, myself
1: he does he does at one point think that he's having a nervous breakdown yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that he's yeah. imagining all of this
0: he, he even calls his mom and asks like uh, you know we're yes, our, we're right. my grandparents cousins <laughs> Um all right so so it's it's um we I can't believe we're like an hour in and we're still talking about <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my favorite You're into, it. You're into, yeah, it. Yeah, you're into yeah. it you're into it you're yeah. into it yeah All right so um he it's a second night uh, that he spends with her and they have the sweetest and I don't mean that is like oh sweet I mean it like it is in beautiful high class um montage or it's like it's like every music video from the eighties. Yeah, they're they're reliving every possible like music video scenario at the department store. They're gang. They're That's like forties the... gangsters. Um, what's the other one? There's um, there's so 80s many punk rockers. Yeah. they're punk rockers. They're hanging out in like in the freight elevator. And the music's playing because uh, yeah. they go to the, he, the electronics department. It's even one music. set
2: of words very Rick Astley because he's in a yes. trench coat with sunglasses yep.
0: and that's right, the guitar. that's right. You're like that's right, that's right. Um, I'm trying to think the other. This oh. is
1: legit one of my favorite montages yes. in film because it's it's so vibrant and it's got an energy to it and it's fun and it kind of shows off like everything in their budding relationship from kind of fun innocence to playful to sexy to yeah. to uh, adventurous uh to all of it and i, I think it works really well
0: yes yes uh, one of the last ones is like he's like i want to say he's like a he's he's playing a yuppie he's got a mustache and he's like reading the newspaper and she's like in a fur coat yes. and then like she reveals like she's wearing like lingerie and that's when i thought like oh this is the night they have sex we're gonna see her boobs. I remember it as a as like a young, young person re- renting this movie and thinking, I, th- I thought there was boobs, and there was no boobs in this movie except <laughs> for the mannequin boobs. Um, so I think
1: that's called phantom boobs when you yeah, think they were there, but
0: they're yeah, not. Yeah. Like when you like when you get a, like a limb amputated and you you have phantom itches. Um, you always feel it. <laughs> yeah. I always feel boobs. Um <laughs> <laughs> this um uh, so there's a lot more montages in this movie that are beautiful but this is the best one um yeah. they they go through all these scenarios and uh till this point they haven't really kissed they've just been it's a it's a friendship that that goes from like sweet and innocent to little little risque, a little sexy but they haven't kissed yet uh and then the um the security guard um that's played by uh, the guy from, from uh, police Academy, uh, w- G W Bailey. Bailey. Yes. He's, he's constantly after him trying to catch him, trying to hear the, where the music coming from. So he could catch him. And so the, the bleep, the bleep, the beep plot line is that, um, that James Spader wants to acquire the store to, for the competitors. Um, and Roxy is working for them as well. So this is a point where I, where I, I think, is it, everything turns because you're like, oh, Roxy's a fucking piece of shit, too, dude. Because she knows yeah. that his comp- the company that he just started working for is going to go under. First of all, she never offered him a job when he was jobless. <laughs> like, does she know that he's a piece of shit and he, and he doesn't like to work? <laughs> What's going on? What's the relationship? Where did they meet? Uh, she seems too much of a yuppie to be with Jonathan. I don't know. So what unrealistic. You think? I hate it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, she she's got a she She's got kind of a a status as the, what she cares about you know yeah. she's she's totally about the status and how things look, but I believe there's one scene where she does actually show a little bit of um care about him when she's she you know she's saying are are you okay is this you know what's going on but I think that doesn't last very long. That gives her just a no. little bit of of a more of a dimension than being the uh you know the social climbing other woman yeah oh and
0: by the way this other store is called illustra that's yeah, what it's called yeah, what yes it, yeah. yes um the the hip store is called illustra um and so you have um you have um this whole thing where she's kind of like she's kind of manipulating him because like mm-hmm. at one point like like his his window dressing has become really popular and everyone's there and uh Illust- what is Illustra? right
3: illustra
0: illustra uh the people that work at that company Find out, and they want to hire him out of the other store, and and he says no. Like they, they gave me a shot, and um also throughout the, throughout the movie, he never says or does he that like she's doing the work, he's not doing shit. Yeah, well, it, she's doing the bulk of it, but I think yeah. that she is
1: trying to get him to do some of it on his own as well,
0: like inspire that, him to be artistic. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay um we'll we'll kind of wrap this up because it's it's could we could be here another hour talking (laughs) um so what happens is that uh, they really want the store uh the competitors want the store and they're going to do anything they can um richards gets fired uh james spader gets fired because um they find out he's a piece of shit (laughs) there's a lot of pieces of shit in this movie and uh he gets fired goes to work for the other company and they get photos of Jonathan in, comprom- in a compromising position with Emmy, which is weird because like that they're going to blackmail him by showing pictures of him with a mannequin. Who cares? Care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Release them. I don't care. Also, well, who am I? Who are you going to release them to? I mean, <laughs> there's no Twitter.
2: It's fu- Yeah, it's funny because they're like his life will be ruined. And they're yeah. like the-, the-, the photos just show him lying down with it. <laughs> yeah, and there's a
0: security guard next to him. What yeah. does it matter? It doesn't matter.
2: Uh, I mean, if I you never, put that I... in the paper and just be like, "Who is that?" Yeah, so they gotta have the spinning newspaper with the headline. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> the style section or whatever. <laughs> oh no, he. I guess he does show up in the paper. Yeah, it's right, funny. Right. I know. I thought that was a funny part when they showed up in the when he shows up in the paper. Mm. It's yeah. clearly, like, like on the 12th page or something, yeah. and they just stay on it. Like, they don't, like, go to other. You know, like, usually when you have a newspaper thing as a montage of papers mm. where it goes, yeah. rising window dresser, window dresser, shocking the window dressing <laughs> world, but it's just window dressing at so-and-so. It just stays on it, and it slowly dissolves in the background. That's yeah. the whole thing.
0: I, I There's so much, like, typical 80 stuff that's going on in this. Um... Um. Uh, the so then um uh he he's gonna be mal- blackmailed if he doesn't if he doesn't go work <laughs> for this company he's like yeah oh, fuck you and he leaves and um he he goes he's trying to get, get get out of the store and quickly roxy turns on him he's like well if you don't want to come work for me and then and you're in love with this other person because at this point roxy thinks it's another girl at one point like mm-hmm. he hints at it like oh. also it's kind of a jerk move that jonathan like falls in love with his mannequin and forget that she's a mannequin he kind of falls in love with a girl and i mean let's be honest he would have slept with her that first night if she would have let him and and he's still with roxy kind of and it's kind of a shit move um but anyway uh so they're gonna blackmail him he says no he leaves and their next move is to kidnap the mannequin and and you know, hold it for ransom or hostage. I don't know what their plan was. Um They just don't want it there anymore. There's just yeah,
2: like yeah. for some reason this mannequin yeah. is is it's like his mojo. Yeah. It like yeah. inspires him. It's, it's
1: his, and... this is this is this is uh, the spy who shagged me plot where they have yeah. to steal his mojo. And... Yeah. Well this is the this is the third act of the eighties film that they need to wrap it up. Yeah. So what <laughs> do we do?
0: Yeah. And uh and and felix the security guard and and Richards, james Bader are after for this mannequin they're like on this crazy chase trying to trying to get it and um and they finally they oh they break into the store and oh i forgot the scene that the 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 scene Oof, there's so many crazy <laughs> scenes so this goes on for many nights where they're like building these like window dressings and they're very elaborate one is like a bus that's coming out of the window it's very elaborate um and the second night i think no it's a third night sorry that they spend together building these things and hanging out the security guard this is right before the security guard gets filed fired as well so both james spader and the security guard fired the same day um and uh, the way that they escape the security guard that's looking looking for them um jonathan and emmy is by she jumps on a what is it is it parasailing
2: yeah yeah she she. it's she, a hang glider hang glider that's yeah. it that's it. oh yeah it's a
0: hang glider yeah because she's
2: fulfilling yeah. her dream of because she mentioned before that she had built wings but they yeah. didn't necessarily
1: work yeah and they actually showed that i believe in the uh cartoon credits
0: right yeah yeah basically she built like the da vinci like wings kind of yeah or she might have inspired them or something and uh she flies for the you know her dream to fly she flies and uh and she and she knocks out the security guard and that's how he gets fired cuz they come the next day and he's sleeping on the job. Um <laughs> uh, and that's when that's also the scene where she kicks uh the security guard and you find out that she can bend the rules. If if no one sees her with with their eyes then she's she's fine to move. She's like um like those Doctor Who things, the, the weeping angels. Oh. Things, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Or if you're not looking, she can move about anywhere. But as soon as you look at them, she freezes. She turns to stone. Okay, somebody needs to do the fan art of that. <laughs> Her with the wings and the statue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, there's <laughs> so then they they kidnap. The, they finally the the fourth night they kidnap uh, Emmy the the mannequin. And they're holding it hostage. And Jonathan finds out and goes to confront them, goes to the store. And he's like, I want my mannequin. Like, Also, it's very crazy that they're like, well, this is what this kid wants. Let's just kidnap it." It's just wild that that was what they went with. This, this boardroom of people that are, are in charge of, I'm sure, a multi-million dollar company are like, let's kidnap a mannequin. That's how we're gonna get this this store that we want. And he shows up and he wants a mannequin and and, and um they try to like they try to like hold him down and, and like sign him to the contract. Like they're like, we're gonna offer you sixty thousand dollars no, fifty thousand dollars a year. And then and then he like he grabs a yuppie like like president and and he's like, All right, fine sixty. <laughs> Which was a lot at the time. And yeah. and to be a window dresser, by the way. Yeah. And so so he says now and he's like running around looking for the mannequin around that department store. And my favorite scene with uh, uh, G.W. Uh, Bailey is that he jumps on top of the display, the jewelry display, and he starts just like stomping on the glass. yeah, <laughs> and, then, yep. and then he sits down. Yeah, he falls down and, is, yeah. and he
2: perfectly lays down in it. And he's like,
0: I can't get out. And I it's it's. It's a very stupid scene, but I couldn't (laughs) stop laughing. Uh, It just the absurdity
2: of it. Yeah, it it becomes complete slapstick by that point because, like, (laughs) when they also they continue chasing and they get into the hallway, yeah, and then and then Hollywood Montrose comes to the rescue with the wire hose, hose. yeah, and then like the amount of slipping and sliding (laughs) is comical. There's like twenty cutaways. (laughs) Well, they'll cut back to the action and then. Let's check on Hollywood.
0: Yeah, and then they go back to Hollywood, because and they're Roxy... still slipping and sliding. <laughs> at this point, because w- w- he's he's wrestling with the security guards, and Roxy is gonna go down to like the back of the store, gonna grab the mannequin, and, and is gonna like um put it in like shredder. And
1: why they uh, have a wood chipper in this store? I don't I know they have no, a no,
2: conveyor no. belt that leads into yeah. a wood chipper, as if it's yeah. some sort of thing they do
0: all the time. <laughs> like, like I was like at one point, I was like, are they? In the '80s, were they just going through mannequins, like hundreds of mannequins per day,
2: day that they needed a wood chip or just some sort of? You're going through a lot of wood every day. Yeah. they yeah. they needed
0: it to really automated. The '80s had a lot of wood, uh, <laughs> and at this point, um, we forgot to mention the scene because this happened right before the 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 kidnapping of the that same night that they're going to kidnap the the mannequin. Um, the the uh, Roxy and the sleazeball uh, coworker—they're like on a stakeout to get the pictures. That's how they get the pictures, Mm -hmm. and and they're out, and she's like torn, you know, because like he's in love with his mannequin. She doesn't know that it comes to life at this point, and he and she's like, "Oh, this guy fucking loves his mannequin," and the 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 sleazeball coworker is like, "Hey, you know, it'd be great if we went back to my place and uh, just had sex," and. That they show they cut back and forth with the kidnap of of the doll to them and you you finally see the conclusion of that scene and he cannot perform apparently uh she's seen dressing she's dressing back up they're on his bed she's she's getting dressed and he's laying there uh just destroyed that he couldn't he couldn't get an erection
1: apologizing yeah he starts he
0: starts yelling at her
1: and he blames her
0: yeah he's like this is your fault (laughs) um this is this was i had too much fun with this movie and then um so th- there's the back to the the conveyor belt fight uh so he's trying to get the 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 mannequin the security guards are fighting with with hollywood um and they're slipping and sliding and like the police are involved now for some reason they showed up um also what were the grounds for for them arresting him like wh- what were they gonna arrest him for they're the ones who uh, kidnapped up I- his mannequin i don't know it's the 80s i guess you didn't need a reason it's to just like trespassing. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah we'll just take you in put you in the paddy wagon um <laughs> and uh and so the mannequin now is in the conveyor belt there's crazy buildup and he finally saves emmy from falling into the wood chipper by the way that shot from above
3: uh that's mm-hmm. a
0: real wood chipper near like at least five inches from her feet i sure. don't know how they yeah. did that um
2: there's some there's, shots where they it, but there's one yeah. shot where you're just like, "Oh, she's like really there
0: to some extent," and I wonder yes. what they did. I'm, I'm yes. sure
1: there's a stunt woman in a harness. With
0: well, you could see somebody
1: standing at yeah.
0: I because I re I I, I, oh. I hit rewind on it like three times because I'm like, "Whoa, that, that that looks really real," and I don't know. I think maybe they they laid it down so she's not like if she if she lets go, it, she's not gonna fall in. I think it's sideways. Oh uh, yeah. So you could, you could do that. The, yeah, it, I think it's cheated, but. But I'm like, damn, her feet are very close to that yep. chipper. Um. And uh, Jonathan saves her, and he he lifts her up. And by this point, like, um, Jonathan hit a button that made a bunch of trash fall down on Roxy, and Roxy's like knocked out, like like completely out, under yep. under a pile of trash. And then you have uh, this this security guard who's like eating lunch. Is like this another slapstick character. He shows up, and he's like, "Oh no, you can't be in here!" And he goes and turns off the machine. And and right as he as as uh, Jonathan pulls up Emmy from the wood chipper, and uh, they kiss, and she turns around and realizes that the security guard. And the, he's not a security guard. He's like a some sort of he's like a back, guy. Guy. back Yeah, back, maintenance guy. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. Work. Isn't back, yeah. yeah. And he is looking at them and he's like a, like thrown back by the fact that this was a mannequin a second yeah. ago and now she's kissing this dude uh <laughs> and she's excited they they're both excited the, so the the curse is gone i don't know i don't I know i don't know like, how that works yeah or why was she was she a mannequin this whole time well like, no they he don't, built her so like no, he no, act, yeah but, but how, they how was she manifesting herself in they don't in, really set that up they don't, yeah they, there's they don't no really, setup they, other
2: than like she'll just appear in front of someone as a muse so yeah probably as some sort of sculpture in some degree to some degree and the mannequin yeah, was like the newest one the funny he, he part did, of that is just like he this guy who works in the back he's like watching the whole scene for like a good five minutes and he's watching people go up a <laughs> conveyor belt yep. and then he goes huh that's weird and then like he, the you know the part where he's Pulling her up, Emmy and and she's dangling. He like takes like a good like thirty seconds to go. I should press the stop button. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he finally presses it. He's sitting and there someone like someone
1: who's worked behind the scenes in retail
0: that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, let me sit here and check this out What's before happening? I do anything. <laughs> um uh, And then uh, so so the conveyor rolls off. They're kissing. She realizes that this curse, whatever it was. I if it was a curse because she's basically immortal. She's well, lived gone for hundreds of years.
2: It may have been like she can't, she has to keep time traveling until she finds her true love, right? And maybe,
0: maybe that's this it. Ended and she wasn't like... really time traveling, she just didn't die. Yeah, she's or like quantum leap. It She's it, it... a weird vampire.
1: <laughs> I think it's more like a quantum leap kind of a thing where she jumps yeah. from body to body until uh, she gets where she's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes
0: yeah. Here's the thing is that they don't explain it and I love that. <laughs> I, I, they, had, they had explained. They had been like, look, sit down. We're gonna explain it. I would have been like, I'm out. I don't, this yeah. makes no fucking sense. But the fact that they didn't explain, I'm like, I have so many questions. But it doesn't matter. It's Kim <laughs> control She's she's charming, um, and, and it's funny because I don't like Kim control I've seen her like in like Sex in the City. I've seen a bunch of stuff of hers. I don't really care for her. I loved her in this movie. Loved her. um <laughs> So Jonathan and Emmy are are. are kissing they're excited they're gonna be together and the security guards like well if he, this guy picked up a mannequin and started making out with it oh no starts looking <laughs> around and starts kissing passed out roxy yeah no. uh, and she wakes up <laughs> and she's spitting she's like Bleh. um and then uh the cops show up and everyone they're gonna arrest jonathan for some reason and and like i don't i still don't know why they're gonna arrest him uh and then uh <laughs> Estelle Getty shows up for 80s like,
2: reasons. Yeah, <laughs> Estelle Getty shows up
0: and she's like, "No, this guy Richards, he's the guy you have to arrest," and with no proof whatsoever. They're like, "Fine." An well, lady she, tells no, the, the proof is she's holding a tape. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, she's holding she just a tape, has but, a cassette tape in her hand. No and... one's seen it. No, no, one's no seen it.
2: No, she just, she just, she just, she just, she just like carries it and brandishes it yeah. like a weapon and saying, "Here is this tape where I saw them breaking into my store." Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's it. And they arrest him. They didn't even take the tape. They yeah. left her the tape because apparently there's there's uh, Jonathan in compromising position. Probably fucking Emmy yeah. on the tape. Um, but whatever. And uh, they they arrest Richards and they arrest they they take uh, the the other CEO in, into custody yeah. as well.
2: And it, oh, and, but, but, sorry, just for the tape, no, it's yeah. implied she watched
0: because yeah. she yeah. goes.
2: I only saw what I needed to see.
0: Yes. yes. So
2: it implies yes. she's, she's aware this done. mannequin comes to life. Yeah. And
0: it's implied she just she was watching them do it. Yeah. <laughs> like... She watched some weird homemade like amateur fucking sex tape. Dude. <laughs> she was okay with that part. But the part where they broke into her store, that's where she draws a fucking line, dude. <laughs> and and uh, they arrest them. And the the next scene is that they're getting married. And it looks like a window dressing because they're getting married <laughs> at, at the window. Um, they're like window dressing. They're yeah, like yeah. A, a couple yeah. getting married. Hollywood Mondros is the officiant of the wedding. Um, uh, by the way, he Jonathan talks to his mom, and she's not there when he gets married. Estelle Giddy yeah. is the one who's there. Uh, hey, it's the you know, 80s. Fuck I mean, it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's <laughs> how it ends. They get married happily ever after um i finished this movie and i started looking up some some facts i started looking around and then i discovered that there's a fucking sequel
1: yes there is i have never seen the sequel
0: i'm gonna watch it this it's by weekend. the same
2: director as well and i think the same yeah. cast so uh not, not the same cast not, Oh, it's not, not okay.
0: mccarthy is not in it it's the guy that uh plays uh brewster in um Fright Night, the original Fright Night. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know it's Meshach William Taylor's in it
1: And movie. Yeah, Meshach Taylor's in it. That's so, it. So, all right. I saw this film initially on its initial release back in 1987. Mm-hmm. At and the theater? I was, yeah. Or on oh, yeah. like video. At the theater? No, at the theater. Um, nice. Yeah, I was 14. I, I went to the theater to see this. <laughs> um, I was totally smitten with uh Kim Cattrall. And so I've been a mark for her work since then. I am not a Sex in the City fan. She's in a movie called Split Second that I quite like, and she's in a, a movie called uh, Meet Monica Valore that I really like. And then she's done some TV stuff I think is really good. But um, yeah, this was this was something for me that was I was nervous to rewatch it because of that like that history, mm-hmm. and I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I think it's a lot more positive uh, than, than I had remembered. I think it holds up a lot better than a lot of eighties comedies do. And I, I think that um, it's, it's incredibly silly, but you know, if, if you understand that it's supposed to be a 30 slapstick film, you could almost, you can almost imagine the Marx brothers running through half of this.
0: Yeah. Uh, that it, it's a good time. Yeah. It, it, it was fun. I had a lot of fun. Marvin, what were your, did you have a problem with this movie at all? It's just,
2: it's like, I had a fun time watching it. Um, I think it's just, uh, I'm just of, of a generation where it's like, I understand, like, I totally understand the slapstick and the and the uh, the 1930s uh, screwball nature of it. Uh, it's just like, I think it's just a different type of comedy. I I definitely enjoyed watching it. I mean, like, the performance, the the thing that gets to me, which would I, which I enjoy about it, is that everything's being done completely earnestly. Like, there's no like irony to any of it in the in, in the sense of like they know the type of movie they're trying to make and they're trying not to be like haha check it out we're doing like kind of a subversive take on something it's like pretty like like honestly made um yeah. which I which I enjoy a lot um I enjoy James spader quite I I like James spader a lot as an actor in general um so it's really fun to watch him in one of in another one of his villain roles um But yeah, I I enjoyed it enough. (laughs) I have to say there are parts where I'm just like, whoa, okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, it's very much of the time. I don't bemoan it for that. I will say the one thing that I wish it did, which is completely contrary to your opinion, is that I wish they had the, the rule or more of like just a general rule of how she functions at least a bit more set other than her just uh saying as an aside oh I if if I can only be like this one you're the only one around because I think yeah. it would have helped raise stakes because otherwise I felt yeah. like ne- there was never in danger of something happening especially by the yeah. second montage I was just like they're gonna be fine <laughs> yeah, yeah like they're just having a great time in this in this well, department store by themselves and like this this cop and James spader can never really be a true um a true threat to them. Until they're actually, she's actually kidnapped, right? And then, yeah, yeah. but it's like, it's such a third act moment where you just go, oh, okay, finally there's the uh, the thing where it feels like they, they could be uh, kind of usurped. But other other than that, I was like, it, well, it didn't, I didn't go like, oh, that, that's awful that they didn't do that, right? <laughs> like that. It yeah, was just more, I, I I just wanted to to feel more like this was a, a, a bit more staky than that. Did you feel like it dragged at all? I actually didn't. That's the thing. It it, it went at a pretty quick pace. Like, yeah, like part of it is that um, whenever James Spader is on screen, he's giving such like a, a screwball performance. It's really fast talky and stuff that a lot of the energy is really there. And Montrose also yeah. really helps that energy. Right. Like whenever he's on screen, you're kind yeah. of going like, oh, like the, it picks up a lot. And, you know, Andrew McCarthy is also giving off that very like. um You know, uh, Marty McFly from Back to the Future vibe where he's very like, you know, I'm just here. I'm trying to do my best. I don't know what's really going on all the time, but I'm a good guy. You know, so you you sympathize with them the whole time, even if he's kind of a dummy, Uh, you know. (laughs) I mean, because he's and, you know but, he's not the, and brightest bulb, you know. yeah no 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 no
1: I don't want to that, no. <laughs> well, I think Kim Cattrall also gives off that that kind of playful energy because she's always moving.
2: Yeah, like that's yeah. that's an interesting performance you're you're pointing out. Yeah, it's like it's almost like when she becomes human, she can't stop moving because she finally can and it feels great. You know, I'm wondering. I think
1: it? I think I saw an interview with her sometime after this where she mentioned she's a big fan of Carol Lombard, oh. who was one of those screwball actresses, and that. She was trying to, at least in, in the kind of comedy she was making, kind of emulate that at least energy.
0: That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed this movie. This is a fun watch. Um, we we talked. We had a previous episode where we talked about Zoom movies. This is, I think, this is an appropriate Zoom movie. Like you can watch over yeah. Zoom with friends. This is a good movie because it's like screwball. It's funny. We could we could talk over it. We could have beers while we're we're watching this. And it's fine. We're not going to lose. We're not going to lose a narrative thread, um, <laughs> uh, the thin thread that that it has. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah, like,
2: like once you get past the first 10 minutes where it's set up, yeah. you can, yeah. you get right away where yeah. it's going to keep going. And uh...
0: It's not crazy enough. Uh, we, we do have a category where it's called um, uh, background party movie, which is a movie <laughs> you would put on in the background. If you had a loud party, you would put it on with no sound. That That's like reserved, I think, for like – ninja three the domination know, <laughs> really like what the fuck type movies yeah um but this this isn't one of them i think this one this one is it's fun to hear some of the dialogue and to hear like you said hollywood mandros uh, really like he's got some funny lines uh, when he's talking to 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 jonathan in the bathroom it's 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 fun like that's the thing about that's the cool thing about the relationship and the thing i love about this movie is that they never judge each other those two guys like you yeah. know, he never says he never like judges. Gay, him. They get along perfectly yeah. well instantly. Like, Jonathan never judges him for being like gay or, or or you know, he even confides, like, hey, this is what how my boyfriend treats me, this is what he said. They have a playful relationship. And when he's when he when he catches Jonathan kissing uh the mannequin in the bathroom, um, he doesn't judge. He's like, Hey, he's just like you, hey, whatever, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You do you you do you, man. And uh I like that also like all the other employees know about him. Know about this the dude who the VP, who's who's kind of weird thing for mannequins, and yeah. they're okay with it. They're like, yeah, "It's fine." It's probably the
2: least shitty thing a VP in that era is doing at the time. So they're probably yeah, yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. They're like, "Look,
0: he's not doing rails of cocaine off of hookers." He just loves mannequins. Let him do his yeah. thing. And like I said, I didn't need to know any more of how this thing works. Just like in Weekend at Bernie's, I don't need to know how they keep his body from decomposing for <laughs> days on end or the body from smelling. I, don't, I just know that uh, no, man man, fun put guy. The, they put quicklime in his pockets to make sure the smell is absorbed.
2: And then they made sure to always break his joints so that the, the rigor mortis doesn't, doesn't, doesn't
0: kick yeah. in so he can yep. always be moved around. You know? He's very limber, very limber. <laughs> uh, all right. Any final thoughts on this movie before we move on? I just, I just
1: noted that this is the film I, I can, I've seen recently that has the most
0: 80s wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you want the stereotypical 80s wardrobe, watch this film. Uh, and There's one scene where he goes to the fancy restaurant with Roxy. Yeah, And he's wearing I look down in his shoes and he's wearing bowling shoes, two different types of bowling <laughs> shoes I'm like that's very 80s. Um, yeah, Very cool. Very cool. All right. Our second movie that we're talking about this episode is number one
2: with a bullet. Very classic title where it doesn't match the
0: movie. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Do you know I what the term like, number one with a bullet means? Um. No, no. 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 What? I mean, it's a radio term, right? When like, yeah. It when means something is an,
2: it, it means a number one hit is so strong that it's like almost beyond number one. That it, like
0: shot up so fast to number shot one. up so
2: fast and stayed yeah. at number one for so long that it's like it'll never leave type of thing. That's number mm-hmm. one with the bullet. And I feel like they like a producer just heard this term and was like, oh, "I'm currently making a cop
0: movie. Yeah, I'll
2: just call that movie
0: <laughs> number one with the bullet. I don't know." I wonder. I wonder if um if the director of this movie went to see La Bamba, which was out already <laughs> earlier this year, and he heard the term "number one with a bullet" because they it, re- yeah, repeatedly yeah. say it in that movie. Could be, yeah. Um. All right. Number one with a bullet. Um. 1987. Directed by Jack S- S- Smite. Smite. I think. Smite. Yeah. Uh, I, close enough, man. Um, <laughs> Jackie Schmidt.
1: <laughs> Jackie Schmidt. Did you uh, look at what this guy, the other stuff this guy directed? Oh All yeah, Beatles, yeah.
0: He, this guy is has done the Twilight Zone. He's done uh, No Way to Treat a Lady. Uh, oh, a bunch of TV. He started the Illustrated Man. Yeah, Columbo, uh, The Longest Night. Uh, this guy, he did Damnation Alley. Yeah, I didn't know that there was a double um, uh, indemnity. TV show, I thought it was just yeah. a movie. That's interesting. Uh, there, there
1: was a TV movie that was made in the seventies, and there's a DVD of of Double Indemnity that has the television film as a bonus feature on it.
0: Ah, that is news to me. I will have to see it because I love that movie, the original, not this one. I haven't seen it. Uh, he did Airport, nineteen seventy five. Can I call your attention to a
1: movie he did called Harper? Oh, do you know this movie? Yeah, I think we've we've discussed this before. So this is the Paul Newman yes. uh, film that's based on Ross McDonald's uh first of the uh Lou Archer novels, which is changed to Harper for yeah. uh for the uh for the film, but it's like nineteen sixty six LA detective hmm. with uh all kinds of like um weird sixties cultural stuff in it.
0: Isn't this the same character? Maybe I'm I'm confusing the characters. Uh, another, it might be another like detective like novel that it's based off of.
1: So you're thinking of Jason Statham in Parker. Thank you. Parker is a Donald Westlake under the uh, the pseudonym Richard Stark. That's what I'm thinking. Which th- there was there was a movie uh, Point Blank with Lee Marvin. That's it. That's what I'm thinking. Of. And okay. Then, okay. And then there's the outfit with. I could go on the whole thing. There's there <laughs> there's there's several really good Parker movies. So the Harper films, there are two. There's Harper, and then there's one called The Drowning Pool from '75. And then unofficially, there's a film that uh, Newman made with uh, James Gardner towards the end of his life, where he's an aging PI. And the the theory is that it's an unofficial kind of sequel to these Harper films. Yeah. That is, the, these characters, you know, at, at the twilight of their lives
0: that's so, i i didn't know that that's mm-hmm. very cool and that's that's what i, I confuse those well it's it really i confused a bunch of those mm-hmm. like 60s 70s like yeah. novels that got to turn into movies they all are melding into one in my brain um how like wasn't die hard based off of a novel too like a 60s novel? yes it is yeah. right it's, yeah.
1: ba- it's based off a 70s novel that's a sequel to a 60s novel and the '60s novel was made into a film with Frank Sinatra. The playing detective,
0: the right, role. or something like that. Yes, it? yeah,
1: yeah. It's called The Detective, um, and that's why Sinatra had to uh,
0: had to off, right?
1: pass on Die Hard before anybody else could be offered the role.
0: Yeah, and by that time Sinatra was really fucking old. He wasn't going <laughs> to yeah, be saving well, anybody from anything.
1: <laughs> um, that would have been a different
0: film. Yeah, but you said yeah. you said Sinatra had previously made a movie based. Yeah. On that? Yes. So so Die so Hard is a sequel to this movie called. Un- it's not unofficial because it, it officially was a sequel. It's the sequel to the detective. Uh, Sinatra yes. made it when he was really young. Yeah. Oh huh. that's in an interesting like there's an interesting
2: history then of Sinatra movies being either remade or sort of sequeled and then becoming much yeah. better.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you if you read the book or see the movie of The Detective, they're kind of ahead of their time for the sixties with the way they deal with homosexuality. Hmm. And the book that Die Hard is based on was written in the '70s, and it's the character from the detective, and he's the father of the woman who works at the uh, the corporation that is taken over by terrorists. Oh, yeah. so they it's not of, it's not his wife; it's they his daughter. Them. Okay,
0: yeah, okay. yes. Okay. And in the book, doesn't she die? Doesn't she falter death? It's been so long since I've read I the book. So. I don't I I don't, so. don't recall. Yeah, but all these characters, all these goddamn sixties and seventies detective guys, they're all melding <laughs> yeah. into one. It's it's all Frank Sinatra now. At, at any rate, <laughs> this this guy
1: made the, you know he made this film Harper, which is a, a solid you know crime detective film in the in the sixties, and then towards the end of his life, he's making this film in nineteen eighty seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm going to give us like uh, so I'll read the rough IMDb synopsis and then okay. I'll let you guys take it take a take the lead in this because I feel like Marvin is the one who loves this fucking movie. <laughs> um a pair of detectives uh a pair of detectives uh investigating murder and discover a trail of corruption and criminal activity that lead right back to their own police department. Boom. Uh this movie starts stars uh, Robert Carradine, and Billy D. Fucking Williams. Is Billy the D. Coolest Williams,
2: coolest motherfucker in the movie. He yes,
0: like yes.
2: I, the the main flaw with the movie, I'll say. I mean, like it's for for um like you know one of these like you know buddy cop like kind of action movies. You know, it's pretty it's pretty standardly well made. But the main flaw is that I wish Billy D. Williams was the main character and not Robert yes. Carradine's character because 100%. because it's just like it even starts off with him in the jazz club and you see him playing the trumpet and you're like, oh, he's gonna this is going to be a real cool movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because it, it almost looks like he's actually playing. I'm not sure if he is. But then uh to some degree, but then also like. It's just like the entire scene is set up as if he's gonna like go up to that lady and just like be the suave person, and then when Robert Carradine enters the scene, you almost think he's just some sort of sidekick who like Mm -hmm. is just like cock blocking him, but then it turns out he's the main character. Yes, and you're like cock blocking written down in my notes.
3: Oh my god!
2: (laughs) And it's like everything about him, about Robert's character. His name's Barzak. Their, yeah. their characters are a little... Names are a little bizarre. It's Barzak and Hazeltine. A, yes. <laughs> a very interesting set of names. The- but also, it's just like... Everything about him, I wish he would just stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> stop harassing your ex-wife. Like, she clearly doesn't want it. Stop, like you know giving into your mother <laughs> over this mm-hmm. like played played by doris roberts yeah who was just who's, who's be, great who's
0: being yeah. doris roberts <laughs> she's just yeah. doing yeah. what she does she was she's <laughs> been doris roberts all her life she doesn't I know how to play any other character <laughs> but doris roberts the mother to every character on TV <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> yeah. have you have you ever seen the the role she played on scene
1: elsewhere i have not no no, no. i believe she might have won an emmy for this she oh. she had a uh star like a guest starring role in like one or two episodes of uh Saint Elsewhere with James Coco where they play um they're not a couple but they're like a uh, homeless friends that watch out for each other and it's great.
0: Hey uh, Eric. I yes. I was just I just barely dipped my toe into this thing um <laughs> what what I'm about to mention and maybe you could shed some more light into it. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? The the there's like a weird like theory. So Saint Elsewhere is a show where it ends. And it's the the little boy <laughs> the, right in the globe. Yes, it's oh, it's the thing.
1: Tommy Westfall universe. Yes, theory. Can
0: you yes. Can you amuse us a little bit by sure. just giving us the so, like the rough?
1: Famously, the last episode of Saint Elsewhere ends with the two doctors, the two main doctors, um in an apartment together. And one of them's obviously the father and the other ones, the, the younger doctor is the working father. Who's come back from working on the construction crew building St. Elsewhere. And his son who is autistic is looking into a snow globe of, um, of St. Elsewhere. And the, the theory is that it's all in the kid's head. Now, because characters from St. Elsewhere have crossed over into uh, especially Homicide Life on the Street. Mm-hmm. The theory is that now Homicide Life on the Street is part of the Tommy Westfall universe. It's all in this kid's head. And because Detective Munch from Homicide yeah. Life on the Street has been on so many other shows, that brings the those shows into the Tommy Westfall universe theory. Yes.
0: And brings in a million other shows. You wouldn't even
1: guess half the shows Yeah, and you wouldn't remember the other half. Eventually, yeah, you like can like...
0: bring in everyone. Eventually, like, you, just get, you get yeah. to like Friends and like modern like TV shows. Like it, it yeah, c- it comes down to like it because it, it like infected because of the way like crossovers work. It infects everything and and if it holds true, I don't know why they haven't made a movie or like a <laughs> or, like a TV show that revolves around Tommy Westall. So, th- the character
1: from, uh, from St. Elsewhere that came to a Homicide Life on the Street is mm-hmm. played by Alfred Woodard, who plays the, the same doctor in both shows. That's Additionally, right. the writer-slash-showrunner for St. Elsewhere went on to be the one of the writers-slash-showrunners for Homicide, so that's the tie yeah
0: yeah and I then think his name and is then, tom fontaine and then characters from like homicide guest yep. starred in other shows and then those people law and order so in fact yeah, yeah so in fact like oh, yeah. so law and order characters also like went on to guest star yep. in other shows and so it's like a weird infection a weird virus that just keeps <laughs> keeps spreading and it all there's a website soon. out
1: there that you can that you can look at that goes into
0: it so there's like a yeah. weird tree that follows all the tommy westfall like like universe um, but yeah, that's what you you brought up saying elsewhere. And that's the first thing my head went to is like I went down this crazy rabbit hole one day and I was like, oh, my God, dude, why has anybody made this movie? And I try to like break down something to to, to try to write. And I was like, no, this is well, too much for me. Well, it, so it it would this doesn't like, need to be a movie. No, no.
1: Yeah, It needs to be a YouTube like like <clears> 30 minute like well produced video. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Back to number one with the bullet. Um, Marvin, take it away. You, you. I feel like you. This this movie got you.
2: Well, it's it's primarily because of Billy D. Williams. Because it's like oh, no matter it. what he's doing, he's so fucking cool. <laughs> like yes, even when he's at yeah. his lowest point, which is him uh, on a plane and he's terrified of flying, but <laughs> but he has this like audio book, I guess, on a little cassette tape just playing next to his head. And he still looks super fucking cool. Scared of flying, yeah. <laughs> like the entire movie. And he just goes around. There's a scene where they're just at a at a Mexican restaurant, and like as he's ordering, he just basically picks up a girl. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then, and then Robert Carradine is like, "How do you do that?" He's like, "I've been doing it since I'm 10. You know. <laughs> it's like there's
0: and there's like and
2: sh- that's just that's just Billy D. Williams talking. That's yes. not the character. <laughs> no,
0: it was just Billy D. Williams picking up on extras uh <laughs> on the set um this it's funny cuz like i rewatched this movie and then i re i was just i happened to be rewatching um the last star wars movie i can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called the um, last, rise of skywalker whatever it's called <laughs> like, the last guy who fell fire in the sky um yeah the last uh, the last skywalker. star wars movie and 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 uh and billy d w- williams is spoiler alert back well, back well, in the movie the trailer and (laughs) and this movie the the whole movie i'm like uh, the more i watch it the more i'm like this why did this movie get made the 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 second the second one was so good like he he had gone a completely different different direction we could have followed him we could have been going in a totally different direction but now we're back in this fucking universe dude (laughs) with the same fucking characters yeah and they kind of like he's like dragged
2: onto set like you can tell Billy Billy's just barely sitting up
3: but
0: he's still fucking charming oh he's He's still still, fucking amazing yeah like
2: you can still see the charm oozing off of him he's just very tired yeah and you can almost tell that the the takes they're shooting are probably the takes in between takes because he's like He's like laughing his ass off as like things are happening. He's it relaxed. almost feels like they're just like, Oh, let the real takes are when we say cut and then he'll just like loosen up. <laughs> and then he's that's like, hey, a we'll baby. The- yeah.
0: <laughs> hey baby. Um yeah, I, I uh I really enjoyed him in, in... I've enjoyed him everything he's in. He's
2: a swab. I've never I've never seen him in a role where I was in like, at least he's in this movie. Yeah, know? yeah.
0: That's what really – like this movie, there's a lot of things wrong with it. Um, first of all, originally it was supposed to be uh, James Belushi in the lead. It was supposed to be James Belushi oh, and Billy Williams. That's yeah, really he, – He even has a, a writing credit in the movie because yeah. he had done rewrites on it because oh. he was supposed to be in it. He had a drop out and – That would have been hired. a much more interesting casting. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally.
1: <laughs> they, they also – apparently they also wanted uh, Denzel – or the director wanted yeah. Denzel Washington. Yeah.
2: yeah. Which that would – Speaking do, of saying elsewhere. Yeah. James Belushi, Denzel Washington, Buddy Cop movie would have been a very different feel. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, then so it would have, yeah. So at
0: this point, so c- can Lethal we, Weapon can we isn't just... isn't out yet, right? Because no, this is, this
1: is. I was. I no, I was just going to mention. I looked it up. This comes out literally the week before Lethal Weapon. So Lethal Weapon wow. copied this movie.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> Which, no, 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 Lethal no, no, no. So, Weapon. Wait, wait, you, Lethal Weapon came out first. You said? No, it came out a week week later. Okay, a week after.
1: According to the release dates, uh, I I can find that Lethal Weapon came out the next week. Okay, okay. And uh, apparently this film didn't get much of a release anyways, so. Well,
0: it's a canon film.
2: Yeah, it's just one of those, those, like, we made it really quick. It's a a bizarre setup, because apparently they're supposed to be undercover detectives. Yeah. But they have one undercover mission at the beginning.
1: Where they're, so they're this, in drag. This film is just weird. You know, this is... It's interesting in that there are two branching paths a cop buddy film of this era can take. One is it can be a big action film, or it can become a kind of a noir film, mm-hmm. where uh Lethal Weapon is an interesting counterpoint because it manages to, to balance both the noir and the action, where this... Gets maybe the noir right, but the actions really—I mean, there's some over-the-top action that's fun, but overall, it doesn't hang together. Yeah, yeah. The plot itself,
2: like he—he he, like um, Robert Carradine's Barzak, he just constantly wants to get this the Costa guy, and you're like, yeah. why? Why do you want the Costa so bad? He's like, yeah. they never really—he just hates him, I guess. And then Billy uh, D. Williams—no real setup. Yeah, there's no real setup as to why he hates him. He just suspects he's selling this black tar shit. And then yeah. Billy the Williams the whole time. It's just like, man, I just want to go off and fuck some girls and do my karate <laughs> or my tai chi. I think he's doing tai chi yeah. and play my yeah. trumpet, my tiny trumpet <laughs> that I carry around in my pocket. <laughs> and and that's that's my police career. <laughs> the, but he this... always goes along for the ride. That's the thing. Oh, totally. It's like and... it's like Barzak is keeps coming up with these harebrained schemes that like just always happen to end up working out to some extent. But, uh, you know, Billy D. Williams just keeps going. His name's Hazeltine. So, ha- and then Hazeltine keeps going along and just being like, you know what? I'm in this for the long haul. I've already, fu- you've already fucked up my life enough with all of these crazy schemes. I'm in it deep. You can't give up on me now. That's, that's like his big, like, speech at the end of the movie where he's saying, how can you be giving up? You fucked me over already so much. <laughs> like,
0: we might as well see this through. And, uh- Go, ahead, this, go ahead. This, There's so many goddamn actors in this, too. I I, I watching this, I'm like, oh, I forgot uh, Valerie Bertinelli's in this and yeah, yeah. Graves Doris Roberts. When she showed up as as uh, as um Barzak's mom, I was like, God damn it. She was always that age. She was she was never <laughs> she was never she was always like well, the, the older mother in every goddamn jam movie. She was never a young, young actress. She never played the girlfriend part. I think she had
1: just come off playing the the uh, receptionist, Remington Steele, at this place. Really? At this point in her
0: career. Yeah. Um, what I do have to say about this movie, and we we briefly talked about, about it uh, in the previous episode. Um, not of the canon film series, but I want to say like two, three episodes back. We discussed Heart um, Ticket to Hawaii, the Andy Sedaris mm-hmm. movie. And what, what Andy Sedaris never got, and what these guys got, is that at least they're both... I would classify them both as B movies, but the Canon films had something or most of them had something about them that I think it was just like higher production value or like they look like real movies where you look at the Sedaris movies and you're like, well, clearly he's copying these movies. So like, it's like he's copying a B movie to make a C level movie. It's really (laughs) weird. But, but like I kept thinking of like, these would be, this would be amazingly funny if it was, um, Andy Sidaris. <laughs> so,
1: well, they have. I, I
0: go. Ahead. I would rather watch a Sidaris film than this, to be
1: honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you well, have a lot more that, fun. Yeah, yes, yes. The thing yeah. is that Billy D. Williams elevates this so much, and no one's keeping up with them. Not not the director, not mm-hmm. the writing, not the other actors. I mean, you got the guy from fucking Revenge of the Nerds as like <laughs> yeah. the lead. I, I I'm not buying it. I would have <laughs> loved James Belushi. I would have bought it more. It was really hard to to just go with this movie, um, as much as as much fun as it was fun watching it. But I just I kept constantly thinking, oh man, I didn't get I didn't I usually get swept in to the movie, and I'm like I'm I'm in I'm in this universe uh, where this mannequin is fucking falling in love with this dude. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm not seeing this buddy cop movie. I I, I, I kept getting get, getting reminded like oh this is a fucking movie.
2: And the problem is so that I, I like- think
0: it's go go ahead sorry. I would say I think it's overly
1: long. It could be tighter. That mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff. That there's, but it's not set up well. Yeah, Robert Carradine is not cast well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in a film called Tag: The Assassination Game that I like, where he plays kind of a kind of a he's a newspaper reporter detective character, mm-hmm. and I think he's perfectly fine there. But as like the tough action hero, not so much.
2: Yeah, because because he, um, he comes, he's supposed to come off as. Like, the the streets name him Berserk, you know? Like, he's supposed to come off as this, like, unhinged guy, but he generally comes off more as, like, comical than not really, like, actually intimidating. And then the problem with this movie is that you can't even really recommend it for, like, like a friend's watching it, like, you know, a half-paying-half-attention kind of movie because Mm -hmm. the plot actually kind of is, like, if you if you haven't been kept up, you'll be like, "Wait, why are they here? That's really odd. What's going on? Yeah.
1: Who are these people? Why are they shooting at this person? Yeah, yeah. Like because
2: yeah. they they mentioned one of the drug dealers they pick up. His name is like, what is this? It's like Tai Chi Charlie or something. Like <laughs> they pick him. Yeah. They just talk about him offhandedly in one sentence, way off, and then suddenly they're just like, "Oh, we got him." It's like, who? Who is this 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 Asian man you trapped in? The back of a of a of a 18-wheeler trailer like what's
3: what's going on
2: <laughs> what's happening
1: <laughs> uh, it has um,
2: an amazing action scene at the beginning first of all i don't understand why they're hired for this job because the 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 supposed inciting incident of the movie is that they're supposed to escort this guy right he's like a uh yeah. because a, he's a, a very important witness for an upcoming case but like they're like we need the best of the best, and we want to get these undercover detectives. And they're like they're undercover detectives, why would you use undercover detectives to escort, like, a, a witness? That makes no sense. But sure, what? Especially yeah. if one of them claims he's
0: afraid of flying. But sure, yeah. whatever. That and that one but, of my favorite scenes where they're shooting at the at the plane. By the way, yeah, that's, how, that's the that's, physics. The physics of a plane and a <laughs> helicopter. I don't. Yeah, they're keeping no. The it should not work out with the plane. But no, it's no, really no. cool looking Yeah. yeah. It looks really cool, but then they're shooting at the plane, and Billy D. Williams is like, oh, "What's going on?" Yeah, <laughs> you should have known instantly. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he's so and, cool that he's he's yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah. and the bullets aren't going into the plane until they get to the front, and they, they shoot the, the pilot. But yeah. somehow the it's bulletproof on the sides, but not in the front, dude. Yeah, uh, I, stuff, I don't know. The physics didn't make out didn't didn't work out for me. The physics of this. Yeah. Of this uh, then uh, he lands plane the plane phase. perfectly.
2: I yeah. first of all, I just I would expect like you know even though he's afraid of flying i would expect billy d williams to be the one who goes you know what i know how to land this not fucking robert <laughs> <Yeah>. carradine <laughs> and then um, the witness dies from a random farmer it's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah it didn't god, end in a cool way it's just some farmer came up to him and said god i almost saved your life and it's just like <laughs> well you just killed my career and that's like the big joke of that scene and then Fuck, and that also starts you know Typical angry police captain scenes, right? Where he's just oh, like, yeah. I can't believe yeah, you yeah. guys fucked hey, Hazel Dean and Barzak. You fucked this up once again. But like, there's like this ongoing joke where every time Billy D. Williams like walks away, he's like muttering and he goes, What's that? What did you say? And he goes, I'm just talking to myself. And you're like, You think it's going to pay off? You know, like, you know, like the, the rule of threes, right? You think by the third time he's going to say, I said fuck you or something like that, right? You know, just to like pay it off. But no, by, by by the end of the movie, when it happens the third time, he goes, "No, I'm just talking to myself."
0: Again, again. <laughs> <laughs> There's just So many missed opportunities yeah. in this movie. yeah, yeah. And,
1: uh, yeah I uh, I've I've seen
0: this movie twice now. I don't ever need to see it again. To be yeah, yeah. Uh, you, uh, we're sorry, we we made you watch it again, man. <laughs> I would
2: okay, I would just like but... a supercut of just the Billy D. Williams scenes. Yeah, because I I think if you had if you knew who you're gonna cast. And so you, mm-hmm. this is what you got to do. You know, you got to be flexible as a filmmaker and screenwriter. You know, you, you make the script, right? But then you realize who you've cast and then you got to go, I got to rewrite it for Billy D because yeah. Yeah. Robert's not going to be the guy to carry yeah. this film.
0: <laughs> Robert's got to be the goofy. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. it was Keith or, or or David Carradine, but not Robert, not the not the, the Even David, banana. by this
2: time, he was like very tired. <laughs> yeah know? yeah so i don't think he would have carried it keith, keith would have been it. badass <laughs> um yeah but I, you know. I could have bought keith as the the crazy guy
0: the crazy cop
2: that's true um, yeah you could you could buy keith as like the one who's unhinged for sure yeah but even yeah. then like he can't don't make him the star like There's,
1: you know what I, I, i've been re-watching hill street blues <laughs> just pick any of the tougher guy actors yeah. from that oh, show for sure. yeah. and put them in the role because yeah. this is right when hill street's
0: winding down you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Let's wrap this up with this one. I think. Uh, any final thoughts? And then let's give it. Um. Its proper. What? What's, so I just want to proper format of this.
1: Th- this is this is you know use use the VHS to prop up a, a table leg. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so I, I want to. If people want to see Billy D. Williams in a buddy cop film, check out Fear City, or check out uh, Nighthawks.
0: Uh, yes. both superior yeah. films Yeah, I would say this is not a good this is not a good party movie it's not wild enough to like be like playing in the oh, background no. at a party it's not good enough to watch with other friends on zoom it's um it's a movie best left at the video store and never watched again I, me- I'm glad we re- revisited <laughs> but I, I, I like like Eric said I'm I'll never watch this movie ever again to me it's like if
2: you're if you're in bed, you're you're channel surfing and it comes on TNT, and you're like, ah, this is fine. I think that's number one with a bullet. You know, yeah, Because yeah. every yeah. once in a while, you'll be like, oh, he's back, great, great. Oh, he's
0: he's he's chastising Robert Carradine, excellent.
2: Yeah. Oh, he showed,
0: he showed up to the to, to the uh, to the airport. Oh, he's he's hugging this girl. It's going to take his car. Oh, wow, her dress is really short. Oh, there was a lot. She's not wearing. It's like a shirt. It's yeah, just like yeah. a shirt. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, dude. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to be watching this movie again. I, I, it was fun watching Billy D, but he's really the only thing that's saving this movie from being unwatchable and, you know, trying to be kind, yeah. but uh, that's, that's where I stand. And there's
2: no number one with the bullet. No, nothing. Not nothing one even close.
0: Not yeah. one fucking song. God damn it. <laughs> um, all right. Let's move along to our next movie. Third movie um again 1987 crazy shit's happening in the world the smiths are playing it's a very sad time <laughs> for a lot of kids um very men- melancholy music and you go to the movie theater to see the barbarians Whew, oh boy this movie <laughs> i don't know where they're very, start, and they're, and they're very very shirtless they're very oily they're just yeah they're they're, they're oiled up like hell, dude! <laughs> um, they're bo- they're and, bodybuilders. Yeah, they're bodybuilders, and the quality of acting shows that they're bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, I'll give you the quick IMDb synopsis, and then we'll we'll, we'll get into it. It's it's this movie is fucking nutty. Um, yeah, twi- two twin barbarians <laughs> seek revenge from a warlord who massacred their tribe and captured them when they were small children. Is basically the 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 IMDb pitch for this movie. It is uh Ruggerio uh Doldato, uh <laughs> Italian director. It feels like um I do appreciate that there's like dubbing. Clearly we filmed this like overseas. Oh, yeah. It's hella it Italian. Italian. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's it's an Italian American co production. Uh most of these most of the actors were like I'm sure spaghetti western actors. Oh, uh, for sure. For sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have these two guys, these two bodybuilding brothers that got cast in this movie. Peter Paul, which is a funny fucking name, and David Paul. They play Gore and (laughs) Guczyk. And goddammit, these guys can't act for shit, dude. I try to give them a chance, and I'm like, these guys are going to redeem themselves by the middle of it. They've been filming for fucking days. They gotta get better. They (laughs) They
1: can't act. You know what's the
2: worst part of when you're watching like a B-movie? The worst part is when you're watching comedy that isn't funny. So yes. the worst is when I don't know which one of the twins, but there's it's a it's like a, they're trying to make it a recurring joke where they go, "I want the sword." Nah, now I want the axe. That's the joke.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and that's so, how that's how you you made it funnier
1: by saying <laughs> you've made it funnier. It doesn't play off that way on screen. They they can't they can't act and they don't really have any comedic timing, but I did find they're kind of like, like brothers poking at each other, like banter occasionally, not like that stuff, but like the background stuff like they are walking along, like a
2: lot of boobery teasing each other. They're not very graceful. So as they're like running across the fields and stuff, it's kind of comical watching their arms are their shoulders are always raised very high as they're running. It's like, I'm not sure if that's to like make their pecs bigger or if it's just cause like, you know, like how um, Daniel Craig, whenever he's running in these Bond movies, he's always got his shoulders real high up. And I'm not sure if it's, it's like because of the clothing he's wearing or like he just does that as a runner. I don't know if this is a thing in general, but the I barbarians wonder, I, definitely do that the whole time. Yeah. I <laughs> wonder
0: if if like people like is like, look, notoriously, Tom Cruise, the best runner in the business, <laughs> best runner in the business. <laughs> I wonder if people are like, are like, 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 OK, so Tom Cruise has that that run arms are really tight to the body and he just kind of like it's like very 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 aerodynamic and it's i i've seen like bts of tom cruise running and it doesn't look nice when it's just like when it's not shot in the right angle but he knows Mm -hmm. the angle they film at and he knows how to make it look good and he knows how to film himself running where other people you're like oh this guy runs horribly but But tom everybody looks professional Yeah, come on. I mean, like, like there's that there's that
2: one scene in the Mummy, uh, the the new one, where he's like he's like rolling down the hill, like he's been thrown down a hill, and there's a I forget where I heard it, but there's like a line from a cinematographer who's just like Tom Cruise is the only one, only person I've ever seen who can actually catch the camera with his face as he's falling down a hill (laughs) because he's a pro,
0: like he knows exactly what he's doing. He wants you to know that it's really him and not a stunt double. So, yeah. you gotta see the face. You gotta see the face. These two brothers from fucking New Jersey, they're not from New Jersey, but they have the accent. Yeah, New they Jersey. do. That's the thing. You yeah. keep
2: thinking, like, why is this so East Coast? <laughs> yeah.
0: They don't have grace, these guys. They don't have grace and they can't act uh, to save themselves. Um, so, th- the movie starts off, and they're two little. Twin brothers, and they're part of this like weird traveling circus. You could tell like the, the writer, director, the producer saw Conan the Barbarian. They're like, we got something like that, dude. yeah. But, but with two bro- imagine two two Arnolds. Imagine that, dude. <laughs> Not one, but two. And he's like, but yeah, but n- these two guys combined don't have like a quarter of the charisma that Arnold has.
2: Arnold just oozes charisma,
0: and it's yeah. like, well, he- Arnold also has timing. Yeah, yeah. he's also yeah. a
2: genuinely funny guy on his own. So 100%. so yeah. it's just like he he can carry a movie on his own, whereas these guys, I'm not sure they they were basically
1: found because they are twins. So I've seen another film with these guys and they're just kind of like goofy lunkheads. Yes. And if you look at it from the perspective of I'm going to watch these two goofy lunkheads act like idiots. <laughs> are you badly? talking about double trouble? I don't remember. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And everyone's half awake. I've seen double but trouble. We're, we're I've making, seen double trouble. We're making fun of it. Yeah. It's bad, but yeah. it you know you can watch it with a group and make fun yeah. of it, but you know this this is you know stupid, goofy, inoffensive. It's actually pretty tame
2: for a sword and sorcery movie. Like, yeah, it's not like super violent. It's and it's also like, do you know that this is because there's like a setup at the beginning, right, where they like the boys are kidnapped and there's like uh, the the leader of that tribe. Her name is Canary, and yeah. she like gives up her life to save their lives, right? So that's he makes she makes a pact with the tyrant, Kadar, um, who's played by Richard Lynch, who kills it. Um, Yeah. And then uh,
0: Richard Lynch, who we talked about, he played the villain in Invasion USA.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He he he, he's like exuding like late David Bowie a lot in this movie where he's just kind of just like eating up the scenery, but in a very cool way. Uh, But then uh, Canary goes, I'm going to. Trade my life for theirs, uh. Just you can't. While they're in your custody, they can't. You can't kill them. So he wants to kill them any, or rather, his cronies want to kill them anyway. So their very convoluted plan for them to die is that they will raise them to hate two different types of of torturers. One is wearing mm-hmm. like a black helmet, and one is wearing like a white helmet or something, and then. So they'll so one of them will grow up hating the person who wears a white helmet, and the other will grow up hating the person who wears a black helmet. And once they're big and buff and strong enough, they're thrown into this barbarian like fight pit, and they're made like, to wait. Like she- gladiator, yeah, gladiator, but but very narrow and yeah. with like twenty people. <laughs> kind of like Thunderdome, a little Thunderdome-ish. It's not, but not as magnanimous. It's more no, of no, just no, like no, it's just like no. it's yeah. like a they they had enough sticks to make a corridor.
0: That yeah a... yeah it's a hallway <laughs> yeah here's the thing about this movie it's, it's an a... italian set yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the scenery is beautiful like when well, of course yeah got, i mean it's why beautiful. they
2: keep shooting in italy back in the day they were just like, yeah the, the the rug it was the new zealand of back then
0: where yeah. they were just it like it's beautiful.
2: gorgeous here let's keep and yeah. cheap let's keep shooting yeah, uh, but, but then the like sets
0: were not the best sets.
2: No, it was clearly made really quick. They this was the only setup they had for the sets. They're just like, ah, let's just shoot here really quick and move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then like, so it's like a it's like a twenty minute setup for this helmet thing, and yeah, then yeah. and then the the helmet plot line is discarded like halfway through the fight. <laughs> so they they set yeah. it up forever, and then the helmets get knocked off, and they go, "Hey, you stole my face." And he goes, "No, I didn't steal your face, dummy. I'm your twin brother." Oh shit! Let's get out of here. And they just punch <laughs> their way out of the the corridor because it's made of wood, I <laughs> guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's quite easy to do that. And the whole point was that Richard Lynch wanted like a uh, canary to watch this, and now she just has hope. So all of their plans are falling apart.
0: Yeah, and they just kind
2: they just run away from the castle. Like it's quite easy. And then they mm-hmm. go. Now what do we do? And I get, and the rest of the movie is them saying, OK, we got to because the whole point of why K- uh, Kadar uh, kidnapped Canary is that he wanted this ruby of power. Yeah, uh, And I guess the ruby is the source of these entertainers ability to have entertainment or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> like like they wished for song and dance or something from this ruby. And that's why they became traveling entertainers. So I don't know why Kadar wants the ruby. If that's what it gives them. Maybe he wants to sing show tunes. (laughs) We don't know. Maybe this is a world where like song and dance and stories are just so highly valued (laughs) that he's willing
0: to conquer an entire tribe just to have a few songs. If I can Uh, do that. If I can bring music to the masses i will control them <laughs> just, that would be awesome if it just turned into the apple in the last act <laughs> um Kadar, um also missing two fingers because one of the kids uh, bit them off yeah yeah which yeah. is which is a, that's probably as gory as it gets though Kadar's gang is like they're really mutinish yeah
1: um, it's like you, it's you, like well you gotta remember this is from the director of i believe cannibal holocaust that's oh right. that right. so. right. makes right. sense all right yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: it's like they were they were trying to like throw mad maxi stuff on top of these people but they're but yeah evil you yeah. know it's, it's like a weird it's like an it's, like, it's an aesthetic it works you look yeah. at them and you instantly go oh they're evil the plot of the movie just ends up being we have to get the like sacred weapons and then use them to kill kadar and that's the movie they literally run back and forth th- between sets Like, they'll grab the thing, the sword, go to the Forbidden Land, and then they'll leave the Forbidden Land, and then they'll have to run right back to the Forbidden Land, and then leave it again. So many goddamn trips to the Forbidden Land. (laughs) I was really excited to watch this movie, because I had heard a lot about the Barbarian Brothers and the Barbarians. Like, I'm I'm always down for some good sword and sorcery, right? Yeah. So, I was like, oh, this looks promising, because I've heard so much about it. And I was just so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Michael uh, Berryman is in it. Uh, he's a character actor. Yeah, yeah. Movie. He's the he's yeah. the sidekick of the sorcerer. or something. Yes, yes.
1: And yeah. George Eastman's in it as well. And he's a he's a great Italian character actor. You, you know, one of the things I didn't say about number one with a bullet that uh, a lot of these things I, I'm of the opinion that if rather than trying to make a big plot driven action movie, if we just saw like. Like cops going from case to case or call to call, mm. or in this case, if we'd seen the barbarians grow up in the circus and then go from adventure to adventure with the circus, that could have been a lot more entertaining. That would have been yes, way more, be, and yeah. there and it would have been interesting because you could have the because ang- they have the angle at the very beginning
2: where they say they're adoptees, uh, the two twins and the young girl who, spoilers, ends up being the new tribe leader for because yeah. of a ruby fits yeah. in her belly button. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she, she I looked her up I think she went on to actually do some some uh like tv work or whatever that she's a working actress oh eva Larue. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. she ended up she ended yeah. up
2: doing a, she's uh did a lot of soaps I think
1: um yeah yeah I mean like she, she's a lot of fun in this film yeah I mean she's she, she's, she's got is got having kind of a, a lot spunky energy yeah yeah and she's she's also like the 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 fun smart one who's you know like rolling her eyes at these two idiots yeah. and, and to me that was fun
2: well, fun. I mean, smart, but then also for some reason will never give up her name, even though giving up your name would have solved the problem at the very beginning.
1: Yep. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's but funny if you
1: do. What you're supposed to. Do, we don't have a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's funny because because they're gonna, they're gonna hang the two brothers. And they're like, well, call Kara. She'll she'll remember us. And the other guy's like, yeah, call Kara. <laughs> Just heard him say her name. You idiot. They're not the smartest guys. No, no. Town. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: I, I like the fact that they played them as really dumb yeah. or, you know, that they are really dumb. Yeah. So they were able to, to be dumb yeah. rather than, you know, there's no cleverness. There's no subterfuge about them. No, they did like, grow up in a slave I mean, I yeah, guess they yeah. would be dumb.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just that it just never like hits the right points. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. the action's just never quite good enough for you to be yeah. like, that's really cool. Um, There's that one part where they go into the forbidden land and they have to fight the dragon. And yes. for like half a half a wow. minute you think this dragon might actually look really cool and then you see it in its no. entirety and then you're like oh this is this
1: is, this is not <laughs> this great. This is the most ridiculous <laughs> looking dragon. <laughs> There's could, actually something could, kind of fun about someone that. Someone
2: tried though. really like a, like two people were given half a day to try really hard on this dragon and they just yeah. never got got it quite right. Um, and and it, you know, and in the final fight scene with with Richard Lynch versus the barbarians, you can <laughs> tell Richard Lynch is trying to make it look dramatic and cool, um, but it just never quite hits the right points.
1: You know, they they should have just pulled out a rocket launcher. <laughs> call him a the day.
2: I was half expecting them to just throw their weapons at him, and that's how they
0: kill him. <laughs> Well, in the beginning, they're 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 in this like high speed chase in like uh, in wagons, which lasts um, a while. It lasts a very long time. <laughs> and one of the dudes, the guy that looks like a like a ram or something, the the, the guy that looks like Pee Wee, um, he has like this crystal ball and he throws it and explodes. Yeah, it explodes. Yeah. he's got explosives. There's no pacing to that scene because
2: that that fights that that chasing at the very beginning. It's always just approach fall off shot. Approach yeah. fall off shot over and over again for 20 minutes. And there's no consequence to it because no. it's it just ends. They're just like, oh they ran out, they literally ran out of people to approach one at a time to this caravan.
0: What's um, the point of this scene? <laughs> R- Richard Lynch definitely like brings something interesting to this movie. Eva LaRue definitely was good in it. She's very charming. Like she she you kind of almost wish that
2: she was more of a linchpin to the movie and yeah. and, and did more of the speaking.
0: My final thoughts is that this this will fall into the car- category of like what the fuck like you definitely could put it on in, at a party. In oh the yeah, background, and oh yeah, it, it'll definitely spark some like interesting conversation. Like what's going on in this movie? Why, why is there a there... dragon now? Yeah, or, why are it, they
2: why are they in the set of Fraggle Rock now? What's going yeah. on? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think this is a, a riffable film as well. Oh, for it's sure. Just, yeah, because it's because it's just like the amount of times they run away from a place just to run back that's the plot of the movie actually yeah. they run away from a place only to realize they have to run back
0: what's that noise that they make
3: ah <laughs> oh,
2: yeah it becomes like their that's their catchphrase aoo like, or something that's their catchphrase yeah. that and oh i don't like that give me the other thing that's the thing that's why i don't fully i'm not i don't fully br- blame the barbarian brothers cuz just yeah. as written that is not funny <laughs> You you could you could get the best actors in the world. You could put fucking George Clooney and Lawrence Olivier in that role, and they have them try to make this like
0: charming, and they they just will not have a chance.
1: I want Brad and Leo to do it over <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> yeah.
0: On to our last movie of the evening. Oh uh, lord, <sighs> yes. <There's, laughs> we save the words for last. Hold on, strap in. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Down Twisted also known as treasurer of san lucas which i kept thinking like are they they keep saying
2: san lucas are they saying cabo san lucas no it's just no. some sort of fake south american country I, I guess it doesn't matter anyway the mo the at least the transfer i saw on amazon the movie's so fucking dark you can't even tell where country right? yeah oh yeah <laughs> and
0: it's like a lot of movies in the 80s they wouldn't use the the name cuba like a lot of movies take place in Cuba, but they don't say it. They made a fake country called Valverde for movies, <laughs> and that's where Commando takes place. And this yeah, is yeah. what San Lucas feels like. Uh, someone yeah. didn't want to make it. What, Puerto what Rico. Movie do you think they were? What movie do you think they were riffing on when they made this?
1: So I, I was thinking, Romancing the Stone is what they were probably going for. I,
2: I guess if he so had I the plot of like, oh, we have to go along, and we're not, we're not, it was yeah. accidental, and blah blah
1: blah. That makes sense. Yeah. So let me let me go ahead and just really quickly read yeah. the. The plot yes. from uh, Wiki: yeah. <laughs> A naive, good-hearted Los Angeles waitress does not think twice about helping her troubled roommate. Her help lands her in a Central Central America, fleeing for her life with a grungy mercenary. Oh my God. That's barely true, I guess. <laughs> <That's> barely. <true>. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, I was disappointed by this film. Yeah, because 100%. I, I liked the previous film that Albert Pion and Carrie Lowell made together which we reviewed, which is Dangerously Close, which I really liked a lot. This ha- film has a solid cast. It has some ridiculous imagery, <laughs> but it's just a mess and a bore. Yeah,
2: the like the problem is, okay, it's, it's an hour and like 16 minutes or something. It uh-huh. barely makes that. You can see it's struggling to make that runtime and it feels so long. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, like... Like I had so many questions while watching the movie because I was just like, why, why would Maxine get in the car with Michelle? Okay, so, so okay, here's how here's how she ends up in Central America. Okay, her old roommate, the main character's name's Maxine. Yeah. Her roommate drives up next to her, says, "Get in the car, I need help," and she does for some yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. And then they get to a parking lot, and her car explodes. Michelle's car explodes. So Maxine's like, "Holy shit, Michelle's dead." There's that. Then there's just some guy there, who at the time you think is named Reno, and he goes, "Uh, what? Who was? What happened here? Tell me what happened." And then they get knocked out, and then they end up in central <laughs> Central America, <laughs> and you're like, "The fuck? What the fuck is happening? Why? Why did? Why did Maxine get in the car? Co- if If I had an old roommate." drove up next to me and said i'm in a lot of trouble get in the car yeah i'd be like get the fuck out of my
1: face i don't want to see you ever again i would look at them and go i've seen this movie and it doesn't end well for either of us (laughs) bye we're gonna end up in in in
2: val verde (laughs) so like so like maxine is a gigantic idiot but then also everyone else in the movie is a giant asshole so there's nobody in this movie i like like the, like the 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 male protagonist of the romancing the stone part he's just a complete jerk like he yep. just he just not only lies to her the whole movie he ends up not actually So the as the movie helpfully lays out in a in a plot card at the very beginning of the movie there was apparently some sort of heist for like it's called the crucible i think that they're trying some kind of magic junk yeah or, some sort of yeah. like like very culturally spe- MacGuffin. significant macguffin yeah from the the country of san lucas hence the treasure of san lucas uh that they're that they were supposed to steal then replace with the replica but something in general went wrong and it's just like that's fine that's a fine premise but you realize why you needed that card at the beginning because as you start watching the movie you're like mm-hmm. i have no idea what's happening the only thing that's anchoring me to any sort of plot is this one card at the beginning <laughs> That told me eventually we'll connect back to some sort of like heist plot. Um, So then Reno presents himself as he's some sort of like like insurance investigator or something. But then as the movie goes, it turns out like he's going to be he's he's part of these six thieves that was going to steal this rep, this priceless crucible thing but it turns out it was like went wrong for some reason but you have no idea why it went wrong you're not quite sure who's double crossing who and i guess they're trying to get it for some sort of ceo but i don't know why the ceo wants to steal the crucible other than maybe he's just an art dealer
1: like it's it's there's so many questions yes <laughs> so many questions have, have have either of you ever seen the the robert redford film the hot rock I have yes not, no. yes i have Okay, so that is based. That's the based on a novel by Donald Westlake of uh, this character named Dortmunder, which is a series of comedic heist films or books. They made a couple of films. Most of them are bad. Hot Rock is the best one. Mm-hmm. This needed to have, to me, a, a Dortmunder kind of heist gone wrong, where things start going funny. Yeah, basically. Um, that's what you have the cast for. Charles Rockett's a comedic actor. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but they're trying to play him like completely you know,
1: cool, which
2: is really weird. Yeah. Except for the very last scene where he starts like hamming it up and going, I think this is going very well. And you're like, where the fuck yeah. did that come from? Like, why is he suddenly a joker? It doesn't
1: make any sense. Carrie Lowell could do comedy. She's she's adorable in this, but she's not given much to work with. Uh, Courtney Cox has one scene and she's perfectly fine in it.
2: She's barely a <laughs> character. She just she just goes Oh, what yeah. are you up to? A uh, job interview, <laughs>
1: and that's she's it. got one scene and she knocks it out of the park. <laughs> Great, fine for her. Um, but the, you know, some of the rest of the cast, you know, are given a little bit to do, some of something to do, but not enough. Uh, I really think that this falls in the scripting department, oh, and the padding department, and that's what that's what killed it. You know, if it had that kind of fun, comedic, romantic heist like *Romancing the Stone* or like a *Dortmunder*. Then I think it could have been a lot more successful, but I don't know if they ran out of money or if they ran over their head. It's a conceptual
2: or, issue, I think, because you don't even see the heist; yeah. you just are told the heist went wrong. That's true. And also, it's just like I don't know; it just feels like, like you said, people are miscast and they're not quite sure how they're yeah. supposed to act their roles. Like, yeah. like I, f- like I don't know who who's I don't know who the guy is who
1: plays like the bleach blonde guy who's just like so that's Tom Matthews who's most famous for being uh in Return of the Living Dead where him and James Karen gotcha. are the two guys working in the the you need a medical supply and he's great with with James Karen to work off of in in that movie. Yeah, in
2: this one so he he's just got the chops. Yeah. But he's just trying to yeah. he just kept reminding me it, it remind like the this is really specific the the way I thought he was acting, but I was like thinking in my mind I was like I got it. It's like if Michael Rosenbaum decided to cosplay as Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and was just <laughs> being an asshole, and that's that's that character because he just had that tone the whole time. Also, the guy who the the the, the guy uh, Charles Rocket plays Reno, he's just mm-hmm. greasy the entire. Once they reach South America <laughs> or Central America, he's just. Head to toe covered in glycoline, like grease. Like he is yeah. so shiny that it's distracting because everything else in the movie is so dark. He just pops on the screen yeah, as this like shiny, <laughs> greasy man. Like there's, there's that scene where they go in the restaurant and he meets with Soames, right? And Soames mm-hmm. is like uh, like going like, Are you are you on my side and doing the heist or what? And then like they're just like trying to like double talk each other. But then Soames has this, like, r- ridiculous line where she goes, like, I can't sit through another double cross, frankly. Give one a very, g- gives me a very sore ass. And you're like, what are, t- what are you talking about? And then the scene yeah, ends this- with the the, t- the title of the movie where she realizes that he's been double crossed and they've both been double crossed. And she goes, oh, the deal is going down, but it's going down twisted. <laughs>
0: I I expected so much more. Here's the thing: is that we had previously seen um, Dangerously Close, directed by the same oh, director, yes. mm-hmm. and that movie like surprised me. Like we we I really liked it, and I was like, "Now I want to well, see it." I know what's coming up. I know like Cyborg's coming. Up. He he eventually went to direct that. He's going to direct Kickboxers, the Kickboxer sequel. He directed the Captain America from the from 1990. I'm like, there's going to be some oh, interesting the, the, stuff. Wait, the 1990 is that the motorcycle helmet one or the one that's
2: the
1: son of the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye? This is that's the J.D. Salinger's kid one. Oh, OK, OK, cool. But the motorcycle one is from the 70s. Okay. Yeah. OK,
0: it was it was hard to watch because it was it was a it was a weird transfer. The what I watched. Yeah. at least, Yeah, it's it, it looked
2: like complete. It's, it was a bad telecine for sure. And it's just like. I think it's a script problem. Yeah, because yeah. there's no way you can direct yourself out of all these scripting holes. Like, for example, like like uh, uh, Maxine's trying to run away, right? So she runs out of this room or this building and goes okay a carnival is happening outside there's a huge parade right it's basically like like carnival but it's yeah. happening in san lucas and she goes taxi a taxi shows up instantly <laughs> right next to her in the middle of a crowded parade and when she gets in soames is already inside to ca- to capture her and you're like what is happening in this movie it's like they the, the they were struggling to connect all of these characters they could have just gotten rid of like most of them like the movie yes. could have worked a lot better if it was just hey there's two thieves um uh Reno's the one who got backstabbed and the other guy is trying to get it back and then she got along for the ride and there's a CEO guy who wants it there we go but the yeah. fact that it's complicated by all these other characters it makes you go like who is backstabbing who and why? Also, why did you guys get together as a thieving group? It doesn't seem like any of you have, like, any specialty or even like each other. Who hired you that way? Like, you know, usually thieves, you know, even though they say no, no honor among thieves. Like like in Ocean's Eleven, they, like, vet the crew, right? They usually go, all right, we got to, you're the guy who knows how to jump really well. You're the guy who's a hacker. You're the one who acts really well, you know. You, you're the gunner, but it's like. They're all just idiots. It's like, I don't understand yes. who who is who is the real leader of this gang. And it's like, and also like, I'm sorry. It's just like, there's just so many weird questions that came. like, like it's the, the twist is that uh, that um, Michelle survived the explosion. Right. So like, and mm-hmm. she also ended up in South America, but with the dead guy. First of all, the dead guy died in America. Why was his body brought this brought to Central America? This is, <laughs> right. Like. If someone yeah. dies in America, yeah. you don't ship the body to another country. You like whatever business you need to deal with that body. You just do it in America. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. why was it shipped to Central America? Because the plot is supposed to be that. Oh, right before he died, he ate the key. That's the key to the locker in, in the, tr- the train station where the, the crucible is being held. Right. And it's like he's he's dead. You don't have to bring the body fucking get the key out the body in america he's in there why did why did we all go to central america in the first place again i don't understand and it's like also how did she survive the explosion it wasn't a fake explosion michelle was thrown back i mean uh, maxine was thrown back from the explosion like she actually exploded <laughs> like how does she survive that and also like the scene where you know michelle meets up with reno so that they'll or his name's revealed to be charlie and then they go up to the body and they're like, OK, let's get the key out. And like, how did they get the key out? You, ju- you just see his, him putting a hand into the body off screen and you're like, what hole did he go down? Is he going through the ass or the mouth? And either way, how could yeah. he get deep enough to reach this key? It makes no sense. Like he there's an allusion to like a scalpel, but they didn't cut him. They just yep. left. They just set it aside, and then you just start hearing squishing noises, and you're like, "What the fuck's going on?"
0: It's like, I, this I, movie I, is <laughs> so confusing, so confusing, and so many questions. It, it would have been a much better movie if it was simple. Just keep. keep
2: yeah, they kept trying to do twists shit. and
0: turns, like, yeah. but the twists
2: don't lead yeah. anywhere. Yeah, the twist is she's alive. Great. Down twisted,
1: no <laughs> twists. No twist worked <laughs> uh-huh. out. <laughs> like, I don't. No, understand. it just the the. This- the script needed to be more. They needed more focus. It needed to be coherent. They needed to set up what was going on and they needed to pay it off. Yeah. And they didn't do any of that. Yeah. The casting was all wrong. It's like I, I was I, I was
2: starting to come around to the Maxine character because she's like, you know, she's basically mm-hmm. you come around not because she's like awesome or anything. But you start coming around because you feel sorry for her because like all the shit yeah. keeps happening yeah. to her. Yeah. And then like the, the, I turn on her again when she she sees Michelle in the taxi. And she goes, oh, my God, fuck you, Michelle. I can't believe you did this to me again. I want you when we get home, you're moving out of the apartment and you're like, you're trapped in another country about to die over some sort of national treasure theft. Her leaving the apartment is the least of your worries right now. Like, let's discuss living arrangements when this is all done. Who the fuck gives a shit about your apartment right now?
0: (laughs) When our lives aren't in danger, we can discuss that until then. (laughs) Shut the fuck up.
1: Let's just remember that the two years later, Carrie Lowell winds up in in a much better adventure film that takes place in Central America. What's it called? Which is License to Kill.
2: Oh, okay, okay, Yeah. Oh, of course. (laughs) And it's just like, and I guess we should just explain how the movie ends. The movie ends with them doing like some sort of crazy triple cross at the end where like, uh, yeah, they get the key. They go to the everyone ends up at the train station. Uh, they give, they open the locker, Reno opens the locker, gives the crucible over to CEO guy. CEO guy walks away scot-free and they get a bunch of money in the bathroom, right, in the the train station bathroom. And as each person walks out uh, carrying their money, they get arrested one by one by the San Lucas-like military occupation. And then for whatever reason, it's not explained at all when maxine leaves with the money because like even reno like he's trying to do like a whole like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna improvise i'm gonna take maxine as a hostage a fake hostage and go get out of here or i'm gonna shoot her and then there's they're trying to make a comedy scene where like the the room is so filled with uh with military people that there's it's it's like 50 guns on him so he's just like ah okay i was just joking and this is when he starts like acting like like a ham and it doesn't make any sense. He starts going like, I think this is going really well. <laughs> and then, and then uh, so he loses his money too, right? But then she's left holding the suitcase with like $3 million in it, right? So the, the head of the military guys, for some reason, opens the case, he goes, hmm, that's a lot of money. He takes like five stacks and puts it in his own pocket then closes the suitcase and gives it to her. And you're like, what? Why does she deserve the money?
0: Yeah.
2: And, and then and then she looks at the the camera and starts smiling. And you go, Jesus Christ, they're gonna freeze-frame the movie and end here, aren't they? Because <laughs> she puts on the sunglasses and everything. Yeah. And then you go, Oh, wait, no, they didn't stop here. Okay, weird. Where are they going? Then they cut over to fucking Areno aka Charlie who's now part of like a prison chain gang who's like trying to be funny because they're like saying uh andale keep moving right cuz he's like being lazy and the joke is like ha-ha, you know i asked for a beer a hotel room and a lay if you know what i mean and they're like get get fucked you idiot and then they kick him down the ditch and then for some reason for some reason i still don't understand this she shows up in a limo to like pick him up and save him and you're like why the fuck would you ever go back to save this asshole you already got out of the movie scot-free with three million dollars why spend a single dollar of it of it on this piece of shit and then we end up with this really really long ending scene where they she's like oh let's go to my yacht and the joke, I guess, is supposed to be that the yacht is just like a regular boat, and they're like, "Ah ha ha!" Isn't that funny? And then they have a, a scene of them like kayaking over to that boat, and then they start kayaking, and it's like, "Okay, we're gonna fade out." You're, we you know how the movie's ending. We're kayaking over to this boat, and like you can like, and you could hear Reno's lines being like eighty yard in. He goes, "Oh, look at these seagulls fly past." <laughs> <laughs> you know you know I, once we get to the, it's gonna be fun once we get to the yacht <laughs> and you're like and cut and cut cut now and it goes on for like another 30 seconds and then what the movie finally fucking ends and they still pad it out by trying to do that thing where like you know how at the end of a movie you show like clips of them from fun moments earlier in the movie to go like this was this was this was like carrie lowell this was charles rocket right but the thing is they have that montage but they don't put the credit on it so it's just a (laughs) montage of moments from earlier in the movie for no reason set to this i forget i forget what the song was but it was just like it was like an ironic song based on the movie and it's just like can you be any more transparent that you're just trying to break like 75 minutes runtime so you can put it in a theater? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. it was, a, it was a miserable experience. These last 20 minutes. Cause I hated everyone. I wanted everyone to fail. And yet the, the, the character who should have failed the most got away and I hated it.
0: <laughs> yep. I, I, it was yeah. hard to get through this movie. I, this was, this took two sittings and i i started taking notes and having through it, i'm like I, I i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck i hope they all die like, <laughs> Bruno, maxine michelle all of them need to die the worst uh, part is when she yes. came back
2: because you're like oh god damn it get yep. the fuck get the fuck out of here <laughs> like,
1: yeah yeah so disappointing
0: <laughs> um this one i my final thought is that this movie i was i was looking forward to it because of because of the director I was like, "This is this is going to be awesome. This is going to be interesting." It failed horribly in so many levels for me. Um, I can't even recommend it to put on in the background. Like, it's not crazy yeah. enough to to to. It's to too dark like, to watch in the background. Yeah. If you put it on yeah. at a party, like
2: people will be like squinting at the TV and going, "What's happening?"
0: Yeah, and I think there's I think it's a yeah. some sort of parade happening. Yeah, not sure. And, and, and if you turn on the sound, they would be very angry. They'd be like, <laughs> well, what the fuck is going on?" <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I see why they changed the name because they wanted to get away from the curse of this goddamn movie <laughs> and it followed them It followed them from yeah. down twisted to the, the, what is it? The, the something of San treasure Reno. of San Luis, whatever, San whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what?
1: Um, here's the sad thing i think i own two copies of VHS. oh my god
0: eric why why would you do that because vhs tapes are like a buck that's why that's fine. that's fine that's fine it it's a really good paperweight and the, the cover <laughs> looks interesting and it vhs is kind of cool so i it's no. fine just don't ever watch it dude don't ever no watch no it. no your, your eyes will burn no, out if you too. watch it a third time <laughs>
1: Uh, i really did like the uh the the credits though yeah. the the neon credits i thought those were fun yeah
0: but that that's it really that's the only thing that brought me joy was oh finally this movie's done yeah
2: it was a stylish yes. credit sequence at least yeah. the beginning yeah. where you were just like it's yeah, got the yeah, animation the first yeah it, that then, that, yeah. that did yeah. feel that that gave me a false sense of
0: confidence that i was going to be in good hands and then it just fell apart yeah yeah i i oh my god and this is the first movie that we've seen from canon films that didn't open up with the canon like stinger over the over yep. the their logo it was it was a song actually that mm-hmm. played over the 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 intro um so yeah that's my thought not i don't recommend i don't no <laughs> do not, not watch good. uh if yeah. if out of all these i'd say um personally i would go with mannequin and then maybe if oh, you yeah, want a fun easily. party movie maybe the barbarians but that's it leave it at that um what would you th- yeah. you guys think is yeah right? i think
2: like the barbarians like it that's given given the times you're currently in where you know we're all stuck at home yeah. so if you want to do a zoom or what was the other thing you you said screener something like that for, Yeah, for yeah, yeah. screener
0: well screener is is for uh for uh netflix if you have netflix and you want to stream gotcha. with friends gotcha. you put on stream, a, a senior sorry senior.com oh senior and it'll, it'll sync up your your netflix so you're okay, watching gotcha. the same and actually one of you has a control so like say all three of us get on senior we could all we could all watch it and have a little chat window as well so gotcha. you could you could both see the the uh the movie on netflix or the show and be watching we could look at each other also um whoever like Is has is like later of the scener has the pause capability. So like if I need if we need to go to the bathroom, we can pause it, and it'll pause all our all our uh, feeds, which is really cool. Because sometimes if you're trying to sync up and something happens or somebody accidentally pauses it, then it throws off the whole sync. And yeah, you could hear it echo over Zoom, and that's not fun at all. But with sooner, it's long as you're you're watching Netflix, it's it it syncs it up perfectly fine, and um I enjoy it. But again do not watch this one <laughs> yeah I, I i think out of out of all the movies i feel like
2: at least to me barbarians is the easiest for this type of viewing just because yeah you, you go yeah. you don't have to pay a lot of attention no you, no. you, you could and yeah. it it's it's kind of broad and and yeah. blunt and dumb and yes. like you know you just oh he's there arm wrestling now okay you know it's like you know, you don't, it doesn't matter why they don't know why no, either. No, there's the movie, the movie's not sure why this is happening either. Why so. is there
0: explosion? Why did that kid bite that guy's fingers? It yeah. doesn't matter, it why, doesn't matter. It's fun. Is, it's why fun. does he
2: want that jewel? Yeah, why is the yeah. wizard? Why does his wizard lady hate him now? I don't, why,
0: why does she put it in her belly button? Oh, now it fits. Oh, that's interesting. Where's this going? Yeah. yeah, I I agree. I like Mannequin more as a movie, but that's more of a sit down, and pay attention. Yeah, that's more there's, of a like, funny thing. It's almost like.
2: Yeah elevated enough mannequin yeah. that it's
1: like almost worth watching just like at like on your own pace. So, uh Mystery Science Theater did a film called City Limits, which is a post-apocalyptic oh, yeah, film yeah, that yeah, Kim Catrell yeah, is in, yeah. And they did a little song about her about how much they liked mannequin and reportedly she sent them flowers. Oh, oh. that's so nice. Yeah, the, like a nice note or whatever. Um Oh, it's it, that. That's what I always think of when I think of think of her in MST3K. She's, so they're,
2: they're, she's like Vin Diesel. She's willing to to, to woo
1: his, his fans think, with flowers. Okay. I think yeah. she.
0: I think she has a, probably a decent sense of who she is. Yeah. And, and and what this business is. So again, if you're gonna watch something fun in the background, The Barbarians. If you if you got time, like we do right now, yeah. Sit down and watch Mannequin. You'll you'll laugh. You'll chuckle um maybe you'll be but, like me and it won't be like completely up your
2: alley but you can at least tell that it's a very earnestly made movie there's no there's no sense of yeah. uh of irony or like like subversive sub- subversiveness to it in a yeah. in a way that's trying to get you it's just very honestly made and that's yeah. kind of nice yeah. you know there's a lot of movies now where it's like even like straightforward films need to have some sort of like higher concept that's a little like subversive but this one's just nice i just like i had an idea for a, a pygmalion myth thing but it just happens to be about a mannequin yeah you know? yeah let's just make it
0: yeah. Th- that movie would never get made besides that time and place where it got made yeah oh, with no, that type that of tone oh, with yeah. that type of script yeah. it is like like quintessential 80s like, I want to see the sequel. I will see it. I'll check let us know. later. Yeah, and let you know. Yeah. If it's a canon um, film, I guess we would cover it. But was it a canon yeah. film?
2: Yeah. I don't believe I think it, is. it is.
0: I think I think an even crappier production company bought it off well, of them.
2: Technically, it wasn't like a true canon film. It was like no. internationally yeah. uh, distributed by them. So it's yes, like tangentially yes. canon. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah by proxy (laughs) um so we're gonna be doing more of these hopefully we'll do one a month of these uh because they're fun i forgot how fun they were it's an emotional roller coaster it is dude we've had we've definitely had ones where i've been totally like just amazed of how good they were like 52 pickup is still like one of my favorites of, of the ones we've done um but we haven't had that in a while we've we've had some fun things like we did like uh assassination and we did a couple of chuck norris movies uh um, oh i we i did love i did love american angel one and i did love but just because it's i'm more nostalgic for it and i get mm-hmm.
1: it well we just we just talked about dangerously close which that, we both liked we both liked we both like cobra mm. and you know there was some other stuff that was like like america 3000 was like silly but it was watchable
0: it's definitely an interesting um an interesting list of movies to, to get through and uh i have definitely enjoyed the the roller coaster of emotion don't forget to follow us on instagram and twitter the dot and that's gonna have all the links it also includes a link to marvin's youtube channel fugitive games on youtube also um if i could just
2: make a quick pitch while i'm already here uh there's a there's a movie I, I wrote uh directed and edited uh that just recently came out on streaming on on Amazon. It's called A Night's Tour. Uh not to be confused with A Night's Tale. Please don't yeah. look for that. Well uh, watch it. <laughs> please watch the Night's
0: un- Tour and then watch a Night's Tale. It's a good double feature. <laughs> <laughs> of
2: of two very different yeah. movies. <laughs> One literally has no music. The other is literally completely driven yeah. by pop music. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's like a post apocalyptic film I made that is weirdly relevant now because it's about like the outcome of a pandemic. And hey, we're all middle of one. So if, if you're in for some sort of like, you know, kind of chamber PC post apocalyptic fiction, uh, go check it out. A night's tour on Amazon. It's, it's out streaming right now. Take a look leave a review maybe if you like that, it helps. you know it's it a free country the, you can do whatever up you need the, to
0: the, the the algorithm come on go live, leave yeah. a review
2: i it's you know i if i may so so myself i worked really hard on it for like you know the past 5 years or I'll, so i'll say so. this yeah. i
0: went to go see it i saw this movie i saw it in theater and um i know it's a post apocalyptic movie but it's not a downer movie by any means i it's yeah. not that. it's not it's the post apocalyptic
2: is the catalyst yeah, for yeah, setting yeah. so it's not
0: like Oh my God! There's no, it, it's it's no, not the yes, road. It's not the road. You're not <laughs> in for like you know uh, two hours of, of just crying. It's a it's a fun movie. Uh, I will say this. I I told you many times. I I do love the movie. And usually oh, when I see you. a friend's movies and like I feel like self conscious. Like oh fuck, like I'm watching somebody's movie, like a friend's movie. I know that like I haven't been sucked into the movie. Where this one, like the movie ended, and I'm like, oh, we're at a film festival. I forgot about that. Like it definitely like sucked <laughs> me in and I was, I was in. I was well, at- thank you. I really appreciate yeah, that. That's that. That means a lot. Thank well, you. Go check it out. It's on Amazon. Check it out. A night's tour. Yeah. And then.
2: It's actually also technically on iTunes and YouTube movies, but right now the audio on those versions are messed up. We're trying to work with the aggregator to fix it. Um, So right now the best audio version to watch is on Amazon.
0: Check that out. Check it out. Give it a rating. Eric. It's always fun to talk to you. Yes. Marvin, we like to party. Until next time, guys, keep watching movies. See everybody.